This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hey, I'm Evan. We're going to talk about Everything's Eventual by Stephen Shitlib King. Uh, um, you I, might want to you might want to explain to the listeners why you're calling him a shitlib. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's where place to start. You've been calling him a shitlib for a while. Well, actually, yeah. I, I'm picking it up from Evan, and I because I don't I, I don't actually follow Stephen King on Twitter, um, but whenever I see him tweet, he does. It's usually a shitlib thing, um, and I think I picked this up from Evan. So uh, on on Monday, I sent uh, Marissa this file. I know she wasn't going to be available, but she is a Stephen King fan, and we've got her scheduled for another one. So uh, when I sent her the file, I said, "Everything's eventual" by Stephen Shitlib King, and then she's like, "What's a shitlib?" <laughs> so um, it's kind of hard to explain uh, without sounding like just being derisive (laughs) um but well i think i I think it's actually really interesting and at the heart of his character um so i'm just going to type in shitlib define and we'll see what comes up so the first thing comes up is urban dictionary and it says a portmanteau comprising the word shit and lib, used in leftist political discourse as a pejorative mocking the spinelessness, stupidity, hypocrisy, and willful ignorance of American liberals, which sounds pretty good. Um, and then the example is, vote blue no matter who. You're probably a Russian bot trying to get Trump reelected. And then the response is, nope, I'm just not a shit lib like you. Hit the phones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so just to yeah. context, contextualize this, you know, Stephen King is brilliant. He's a wonderful writer. Right. And I love him. And I, I think he's, he's an American treasure. Right. But like his politics are this often fall into this mealy mouth centrism centrism. And I think he has legitimate fear of political radicals. You see it in his books again and again, both on the left and the right. And like, like in the like Randall Flagg in some ways is kind of a stereotype leftist radical from the sixties at times, although he can kind of put on whatever mask he wants. Um, and then you got what Stilson and that guy in under the dome. So he's, he does have some kind of anxiety about any kind of political radicalism, which I think is maybe pretty common among boomers. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say like, if, it's not, he's not, he's obviously not stupid. He's just no blinkered. He's blinkered on some political issues, it seems to me. And that might just be his generation. I think that that, uh, it does have a large part to do with it. But even in a book like this, which is, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, oh, yeah, fantasy, and S, uh, fantasy yeah. and science fiction, uh, November, uh, sorry, October, November, 1997. Um, it's a novella. It's just under two hours, right? Um, even in a book like this, he you can see his psychology on display. Um, we get a little scene about JFK in here, right? Yeah, he can't get JFK out of his mind. He can't get JFK out of his mind, but he is not willing to accept what he puts in his fiction in reality. If he was, he wouldn't be the way he is. So he is of more than one mind on things, right? That's why his characters can be so good. 
Um, and, you know, this is a terrific story in terms of readability, right? Man, this yeah. guy's talented at just making you really enjoy reading. And it's a mm-hmm. very small idea as a story, but he can sustain it for two hours. And you're like, man, that was great. Even though, really, there's not that much material going on here, right? He's just filling out the details and giving us that emotion, and, you know, the little drips. And then eventually we we figure yeah. out exactly what he wants us to have. The chronology felt. of the story is so well done, I think. Oh, really? Like, terrific. Like he, met, he like, you don't even know, like, he hints that he murders this guy, but you don't even know until he. Oh, like, we already, we hit that something happened to Skipper, but we don't Skipper, quite know yeah. what it is. We, we assume it's murder or some, something, but we don't get quite the details till later on just what he can do and what he did do yeah so what but i, I want to also talk about like there's a, apparently this movie i sent you the trailer paul i know evan saw it um mm-hmm. there, there's an adaptation from 2008 of everything's eventual it's uh under this quote-unquote dollar baby which i don't really know the details of other than to say uh stephen king will let you adapt anything he wrote uh for a dollar uh, but it can only play in the festival circuit or play in schools. Yeah, it's for non-commercial or right. students. Yeah, right. So, um, that is what makes him a shitlip, right? We want him to be what he wants to be, but he can't be that. What we want him to be is a guy who says, "You know what? I'm wealthy. <laughs> I'm good at what I do, and I want." Uh, to make everything post-scarcity because that's better for everybody. But he can't do that. So he does this half measure, right? Most authors wouldn't even consider what Stephen King has done with this Dollar Baby program, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even cons- – like uh, if we talked about John Scalzi, he might think, oh, that's great because it would help promote my my stuff. But the thing is, is John Scalzi nowhere in the league – of Stephen King's in terms of popularity, right? I, I can talk to anybody on the street and if they've ever heard of, you know, they're an adult and they've never heard of fiction novel, they've heard of Stephen King. John Scalzi is much smaller fish, right? Right. So when he goes and says, you know what, uh, filmmakers, I know I've, I have a lot of interest in this. I'm not trying to make any money off of your films because I think, you know, you want to do it. That's great. But he can't go the extra step and say, Go for it. <laughs> he has to put a little um, clause on there and say, "Well, no," and that's why we don't get to see this movie. I, and I, apparently, I can, it's terrific. I can I can see why he has that bumper there. I know I, I know I know I, I know as an advocate of public domain and making things open and free, you uh, decry Stephen King only going the half measure and call him a shitlib for it. But on the other hand. That's not his only shitlib quality, but it no, is no, an no, exemplar no, of his shitlibbery. I have a textual example from this story to to get to, but yep. we'll save for it. Save it. But but in the in the end, I mean, Stephen King is also. Oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna be called a shitlib for saying this. Um, I, in in the end, Stephen King is also a brand. So if he said that, then it's inevitable that there are going to be really terrible adaptations of his stuff, possibly even offensive ones. And that might diminish the Stephen King's own viability and stature. 
thereby, but just by just by association, like, oh look, we. I, 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 yeah. I'm just gonna, William I'm just gonna, Shakespeare I, 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 can be adapted by anyone, and it's hurt his reputation greatly. Yeah, yeah yes, but Shakespeare's <laughs> dead and doesn't care. But like, 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 just, just, just to give you a, just, just, just to give you a, uh, I'm just going to uh, an example that goes beyond the bounds of anything that might happen. But who knows? Let's suppose a, a, I don't know. Let's let's say Donald Trump decided to adapt the Stephen King story, except make him the protagonist and make it a right wing screed. And so that that so then people are going to like, well, how could Stephen King let Trump do that? That's terrible. We, but this and that would diminish Stephen King's own stature and viability and ability and to do stuff. And it, it would it would tarnish his image and his brand. Yes, apparently this makes no sense. So by having this bumper of okay, only can play on the festival servant, it puts enough of a barrier that. That he's not going to get shit on by random people trying to do this to him. He's, he's not going to get trolled. Let me put that. He's not going to get. He's not going to get troll adaptations. Caitlin gonna, Johnstone. Do you guys know who she is? No. She's uh, yeah, I know. Australian. Uh, married into Australia, um, I think, or moved to Australia. She's an online Twitter commentator. Very insightful. Very, um, very good at what she does. Anyway, she. She has uh, occasionally had people say, um, you work for RT, <laughs> Russian Times or whatever it is. Oh. And the reason uh, is she says, you can do anything you want with my stuff as long as you're not racist. Right? <laughs> so um, she knows the reality is people will do that anyways, right? They will, you know, you can't really control if you're, if you're poor. You can't really control what other people do. If somebody wants to pirate your stuff without your permission, which is what piracy is, um, you can't really stop them unless you're Stephen King. So she says you can do any, any website or any, you know, people can do whatever they want. She makes her money from Patreon um, and, you know, people reading her stuff and appreciating what she writes. Um, so, yeah, she you absolutely can be tarred falsely with that but that's just an example of being a shit lib right is is worrying like stephen king knows that jfk's assassination isn't on the up and up (laughs) he knows this but he can't make that connection become something important for his politics and that is essentially the issue right who is this trans corporation in this story? We got a uh, a character who's a, dr- a dinky tranny, which is hilarious. Stephen King, you're always saying, <laughs> Evan, you know, there's yeah. it's mysterious why it hasn't been canceled yet, right? This is also what Paul is worried about. You know, Stephen King wants to keep his reputation. Yeah, as oh. a shit lib. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, I, I mean. That's the reputation he wants and wants to cultivate. Yes, yes, from your perspective, he's a shitlib, but that's the reputation he wants. So that's what he's trying to keep. Yeah. Whether yeah. you like it, whether you like it or think he's he's being mealy mouthed, as you said earlier. No, I don't think he's that's... being mealy mouthed because that that that's very insulting. I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to reconcile the two things and he can't. Right? the one is he he is a generous person and loves art and wants to give back but he can't he can't go that extra mile right he he's stuck 
And that has been like my experience reading his Richard Bachman books, right? Is that he, he has an extreme critique of, uh, American capitalism. Uh, man, so all of those Richard Bachman books are that, right? And there's a massive dis- dissatisfaction. And yet he can't do that in real life. But he wants to. I want to say something about this story and how mm-hmm. I think that fits into what you're saying. Like, I didn't pick on this the first, the, the previous time I, I looked at this story, but the people, like, you got this nefarious corporation. It's, you know, and this is something he's reached, he's done a lot, like the government or some secret organization trying to get these people who shine, control them, is even in the dark tower. Mm-hmm. And Low Men in Yellow Coats is another story. Firestar is all about that. So it's something he he repeats quite a lot, but um, what's their motivation? What's their goal? Right to kill off people who are threats to the system, right? Mm-hmm. But the people he lists, the people he describes, in the context at least of today, I think it's probably this was written what in ninety eight around the time of Wizard of Oz, right? Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Published. So these people, these are the, these are the people that the system allows to exist to give them legitimacy. These are the the people who critique the system slightly from the left Mm -hmm. and their existence makes the whole, it makes Omelis like it it hides the fact. There's who Stephen King wants to be. Yeah. It's not the true threats to the system that are being targeted by this system. It's it's people who are in no way going to undermine the system. It seems to me. I guess that's my critique of the story, and it's only that. Other another. So we're talking about right? the general, for example, right? Who's one of the the, guys the general he... who turns his back on war? Right, right. Mm-hmm. The we got a and and who's an going to run for office and uh, a lib columnist, right? Mm-hmm. That's the three that we know about. Well, also the pope. And the, and the dog. Don't forget the, the dog. Muffins. Yeah, well, he doesn't think he did, but he suspects of somebody else. I mean, he wasn't covering Asia, he said. He was covering the Pacific Northwest at the time, but he suspects the Pope. But was, he's, he, he's not targeting pl- prison. They're not targeting prison abolitionists or, or um, you know. Anti-capitalists. Oh, but 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 that's true. They're targeting particular. King could have highlighted any three people to make this point in the story, and he picks people who, it seems, from my perspective now, were not threats to the system. So, what is this? He sees them as threats. That's the that's the difference, right? Is that Stephen King thinks that they are threats to the system? Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so it makes me wonder. They're okay, not so threats, I, but he I, thinks I, they are. <laughs> as I was listen, as I was listening to the story, I wondered, okay, if the story is set in the '60s, would Martin Luther King be targeted? And I couldn't decide whether he would or wouldn't. He probably would, because that's JFK is the big. Uh, focus of, of king for whatever weird reason but yeah I, 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 I mean yeah because he's written lots of novels and stories i mean he has that 1963 and stuff jf i mean just because because of, because of his age i mean king's a little older i, mean, I was just I reading like like 
Dolores Claiborne and there's like a throwaway line about her husband being like a Nixon supporter and she being a Kennedy supporter or something. It's like um, even in that novel, he can't resist throwing that he's in obsessed. just to demon to, to demonize a character while they voted for Nixon or something. And there's a joke that he voted for Nixon too, but yeah, that's so something that's I, 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 I mean, so that might be somewhat self-deprecating. But you still, said it's he's an obsession a, he has. It, it, he is a boomer, and lots of boomers have that sort of obsession with JFK and Camelot and what might have been. And I mean, the application of having uh, R, uh, RFK, who was less of a shit lib, I think, in the end than mm. JFK was. I, if it, I mean, but we don't know because you know he got killed. JFK too, was so. not a shit lib. <laughs> I mean, JFK is just a, a, a tool of of American empire. No, JFK I mean, was not was a poor. not a tool of American Empire. No, well, he, no, he, he was trying. He, he was trying to dismantle the the. So, like, uh, you know, why did they kill him? Right? <laughs> um, it's not because he was doing everything. You know, the military industrial complex thought was great. It's the opposite. It's because he was fighting it. You know, the fact that he was I don't know. the first he was Catholic to almost destroy the world over. Like over Cuba, missiles. yeah. I, 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 I mean, I mean, it, it is a cold war here. I mean, it, Eisenhower it, it, down the cold war, and then Kennedy ratcheted it back up. And it Diddy, wasn't though. until Nixon that did he though. So he he talks like a cold warrior, absolutely. But he was not in he he was not in favor of invading Cuba. Right? They did that without without him. He said, "I'm oh, not he, going to send uh, air cover for the Bay of Pigs." And that's why it failed, right? It it wasn't and like, and, and, and that's seen in some circles as a great betrayal that he didn't support. Of that. who though, right? A uh, betray, betrayal of betray, betrayal of of the deep state. Oh my state. god, we, we really we go to wait, yeah the CIA or 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 or, or, or the the or 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 outside the U.S. the right the the, the Cuban right the Cuban expatriate right, which yeah, as they're inside result, the U.S. Yeah. Right, right, the expatriates, which as a result tilted all of them towards Republicans and made Florida into the pop, make Florida into the political mess it has been ever since. Yeah, there's yeah, a, there's I, just, a bunch I just of, think you're too soft on Kennedy. I think he's <laughs> not the hero. I, I didn't assassinate him. I was trying to dismantle I'm just the saying, I was not alive at the time. It's not, it wasn't me, right? <laughs> so we need to do there's a uh, there's a book I really want to read. Um it's really long, but it's the definitive uh it's The Devil's Chessboard and it's about basically how the Dulles brothers specifically uh one of them I can't remember if it's Alan or the other guy. Um basically they did it. Um and they did it not because, you know, they disliked him as a person. They disliked not being in control and running the country in the same way that, you know, the FBI was, you know, run by a guy for, you know, most of the FBI's existence who had massive power over presidents and, you know, could uh, blackmail whoever he liked and did all sorts of horrible stuff. You know, what we would think of as illegal, but, you know, get prosecuted well, for that. For, 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 for listeners who don't know, we're talking about J.A. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, just, that wanted, guy. just to make that clear, just for somebody who did no idea, like, like who? Yeah. Yes. So Alan Dulles, I think it was Alan, um, uh, was the CIA guy who uh, JFK said, you're fired. 
right? And then the replacement for Dulles was uh, one of Dulles's guys, and apparently they the they just kept Alan Dulles as the as the de facto head of the CIA after he he was fired, and you know there's really strong evidence that uh, Oswald didn't do this. Right. Or if he well, if he was involved, he was involved as a patsy, um, as he claimed. I, I mean, I, I think Oswald did kill him. Why he killed why he killed JFK, I think, is much more of an interesting open question. But but I'm, I'm, I'm I think he Oswald did pull the trigger and shoot him. But why and how? It's I pretty don't. strong evidence that he didn't. Um, uh, he was definitely in the area because he's arrested there. But, uh, you know. The Zapruder film, and you know, this is we shouldn't get too deep into this. But the thing is, <laughs> we're there. There's so. well, no, that's that's another show. You have to do the Devil's Chessboard uh, to basically see, you know, this because it's not well known. It's suppressed, right? And it's been suppressed since the '60s. But the thing is, is Stephen King followed this very, very closely, right? And he knows it's bullshit. That's why. Uh-huh. That centers on the campaign. yeah exactly. He wrote a book called and it comes up in every two sixty three. Yeah, yeah, it I'm comes up in every that. book, right? He's always talking about JFK, even when you know he's thinks he solved it. He's nope, still got to still got to obsess over it. And it isn't just because he was assassinated; it's because there's something wrong. There's something rotten in the state of Denmark. This is a very much a Hamlet situation, and Stephen King is Hamlet, but he's not willing to uh, accuse his uncle. And that's what makes him a shit lip, right? Is the fact that, oh, I think my uncle killed my father and married my mother. Hmm. I guess I can't prove that, but I'm a little suspicious. I'm going to think about it and mention every time I write a story. Wow. I didn't realize you were going to shit lip Shakespeare. Wow. Yeah, but see, Hamlet didn't. Hamlet went through with it. Uh, But but he did through most of the play. Well, he's trying to figure I mean, it he, out. He, he, sees, it, he sees his uncle at prayer, like, "No, I can't kill him because he'll go to heaven. I can't do that." Yeah, blah, blah, that's blah. the drama, right? But ultimately, it costs him. And I think, oh yes, it costs I think Stephen life. King doesn't want to. <laughs> I mean, that's what essentially this story is about, right? That's why it's so interesting. I, I was wondering why uh, I was going to say Stephen King, <laughs> why Evan picked this story. Because you you suggested it, I'm like I never even heard of it. Well, right? I can. The yeah. reason I suggested it initially is I, I when we were talking about that uh, that superhero origin story by Donald E. Westlake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I said this. It kind of reminded me of this story mm-hmm. as a, as a possible kind of even though we don't get yeah I can yeah I can see any more. we don't know his well we only know his future view the Dark Tower and and Stephen King does throw him into the Dark Tower mm-hmm. and he does ways. yeah. Yeah, it, it, I, he's one of the breakers. So in the oh, Dark Tower, I, I, which book, in the which Dark book? Tower, there's a, a in the final volume, it's it's clear that all these psychics from all the different worlds, all these shiners, are being uh, brought together to break the beams that are holding the whole multiverse together. And <laughs> three help, three help Roland, three help Roland in in the end, and it's it's they all have their backstories in other Stephen King works, and one of them is Dinky Earnshaw. Really, so he, he shows up again. He's actually I, named by Roland at the tower in the final scene of the whole series, and so he's significant for King. 
and major character. I, I mean, I read like the first dark. I mean, I haven't read the whole dark series. I read like the first and yeah, like you the sh- fourth. You so I, so I, I kind of like I read the first and then I read the one that's mostly set on a train because it has a lot of backstory. So I've only read a little dark tower, but I had no idea this character actually shows up and is. A, yeah, but he, he showed up in a book he wrote in 2003, and this was earlier. So this, this is so, only retroactively. It's, and that's another thing I want to talk about, King, is he's very fond of kind of retconning things mm. to fit things into the Dark Tower. And he did it with this I, character. I, I, I mean, but it's I fine. Mean, it works in this I mean, his, his Dark Tower sense. is his, is his uh, one true multiverse, of which all others are but shadows sort of thing. And so he's going he's gonna to make everything into just kind of like – Asimov is another example. Yeah. Com- for no reason, combined the robot first with the uh, with the Empire. with, the, with yeah. the Federation. Yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. With the with the Foundation first. He didn't have to, but he did. I, I mean, he and I, not to I, anyone's I, benefit. And, and, and also, see, yeah. following Heinlein, trying to combine everything. Once we get to number, yeah, but uh, no, Heinlein was was always you know had that in mind, right? But number of the beast is just uh, the way you see it all connected. Right. Yeah, it's just a more explicit, or or or, or like how Friday is, an out, and we talked about this way when we did the Friday show is an extension of the of the story Golf, from way back, mm-hmm. one of his earlier earlier stories. So, but yeah, but 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 Asimov's example is is very much where you can see the seams where he's trying to join two things that really don't really join well together. I have a question yeah. for you guys, um, mm-hmm. Pug. Why is Pug, Pug. in this story? Pug is his only friend, the the, the guy at the yeah, super saver. Um, I, he's got he's got a thing for characters who work at grocery stores. He following the mist, maybe. Well, I, I think he probably worked at a grocery store. Like, well, yeah, yeah, but it's a lot of like, autobiographic, autobiographical yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, in so, here. So, 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 I mean, so I mean, I I think he's yeah, he's just mining his own biography. But Pug, and also, well, let's also, get to the themes of the story, though. Let's, okay. You've got this socially uh, – a very talented, right, Who someone whose talents are being wasted, mm-hmm. which is most of us, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean the vast majority of our talents are wasted because the capitalist system has no use for those talents, right. right? So yep. some of us, our talents well, just happen to coincide with what's marketable. Yep. Like that's very Stephen few. King. Yep. Yeah. Um, like saving game. Now, if you – and this character is full of these people. I mean most of the characters we meet work at this grocery store mm-hmm. except – or that are talked about except for the 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 recruiter. The mom. Whatever his name was. Mm-hmm. Their mom too. And Oh, you mean Sharpton. Yeah. Sharpton. And this is what I think is so powerful about this story is like someone comes to you. And says, like, your talent is, you're not only talented, your talent is useful and will allow you to use it. That's so seductive. And so, and I think a lot of people fall into the trap that, I mean, first, a lot of this talent's wasted and not used to good purposes. And obviously, Dinky's talents aren't used for good purpose. But also, the, but it, the fact it takes that, them a long that, while to, th- to realize that. Yeah, but that the system can take people's talents or train people to do horrible things. But as long as you make them feel useful, as long as you give them a place, as long as you give them a home, they're willing to do horrible things to, you know, and it's, it's easy to justify. It's like the, 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 the guy pushing the button that shoots the drone or whatever. Right. Wipes out a wedding party somewhere in Yemen. 
It's or uh, Afghanistan in the last day of the war. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, yeah, it's even 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 more egregious yeah. because I mean they were doing it through third parties and the Saudis and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, that's that's why I even picked through Yemen because Yemen's even more egregious. Yeah, of course it's, but it's just this idea, like even more mundane jobs that wreak havoc on the environment or whatever. It's but people feel they have a use. They get up every morning. They got somewhere to go, like and a petroleum I, I engineer. Think it's, I think it's a really seductive um, reality is that people want to be useful. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, it's, they don't want to sit around all day. Nope. I think he could have, he didn't have to take this job. His life wouldn't have been that different had he not taken this job. He just I, be I, at his mom's house instead of, I mean, that gets, get, get, that gets the heart of, uh, here we go with capitalism, socialism and the idea like, Oh yeah, if you don't force people to work, they'll just sit around and do nothing all day and just sit on, sit on their thumbs. And I, that's not true. I mean, as, as you say, yeah. capitalism rewards some of the things people want to do, or at least reward them in a way that makes them economically viable. I mean, look, look, look I mean, I probably go around and take photos all day, but there are very few people who can make a living doing that. Yeah. It's, 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 so I, so I can't, so I don't. But if I was free to economic constraints, you know, I, that's why I was just doing all day, all the live long day. Mm-hmm. It, it wastes real talent. It, yeah. it, it certainly does. Like the old statement, how many Mozarts are working in some coal mine or something? How many Ansel Adams are working at working yeah. as warranty administrators? Okay, I'm not Ansel Adams, but I'm, I might be overselling myself, but still. I, 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 but wanna, I think that's why this recruiter was so yeah. good, as he said, I'm going to use your talent, and you hear. And that's what sold him on the job, not yep. the side benefits. There's a whole thing made of the side benefits. Yeah, this is how people get but recruited into the military, bud. Right? Yeah. The yeah. recruiter comes to the school and says, Your country needs you. You're a young, strong man with aggression. That's what we need. You want America hurt? No, we want to defend America. I'm going to give you money, a job, housing, uh, stripes on your arm, and you're going to be respected. And if you work hard, which everybody, you know, thinks I have it in them, I have it in me to advance. If you work hard, you can advance up the ranks like I did. And then he points to his three stripes and his three understripes. And it, the, the, the army made me the man I am today. I mean, now I'm thinking of the movie stars with troopers and we see, we see, we see, we see these yeah. soldiers say that. And then we see he's a, he's a quadriplegic. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the satire, right now. That's the sad, that's the satire, but it's kind of pointing, pointing, it's pointing a finger at that sort of philosophy, but it's real. Right, so but it's real. I, oh, yeah. So I want to, I want to go back. You guys skipped over my doggy thing. I'm sorry. There's actually no. I think this is really interesting because it it's not answered in the story in the way that other things are answered. Like we uh, apparently the way Stephen King got the idea for this story is he had a, this image of a guy throwing change down uh, the drain on the side of the road, right? This is a very mm-hmm. it sort of thing. And Stephen King is very, yeah, deeply, that's what I was thinking that too. very yeah. deeply connected to things like fire hydrants and, you know, rain gutters and stuff like that. Because as a kid, that's the things that you're close to. You're walking and you have all this time that, you know, as an adult, you don't think about <laughs> gutters very much, except when they need to be cleaned. But as a, as a kid, these are the things you're physically close to as a shorter person, right? And these are also the things that uh, those summers last forever, right? You're a 
grade eight summer, your grade six summer, those summers last forever. And, and their surroundings are very within you. So he gets this idea of why, of, of an image of a kid throwing change down there. Now he isn't sending it to Nyarlathotep, right? Because he's already done that story. <laughs> um, instead, he says, why would anybody throw coins down there? Now our, our hero Dink, he thinks the reason, uh, he, when he thinks about that, he thinks about some guy getting excited about finding all that coin down there. But what he doesn't think about is why he's being told that he needs to get rid of the money, right? Yeah. Well, we figure it out eventually when he figures it out, which is great writing. That's very interesting and it's answered. What isn't answered to me is the dog stuff. So he's got a friend named Pug. Dink is a funny name, but Pug is also a funny name. Pug is Pug a kind is of a dog. Dog, dog f- loyalty. Right, but get this. Uh, fuck Mrs. Bukowski's dog. Remember that? That's the first thing he kills, right? Is Mr. M- Mrs. Bukowski's dog as a kid. He goes on the sidewalk and, uh, and kills this dog. Um, and it's because he hates the dog because it's always trying to hurt him. It scares him and it, it bits somebody. And, you know, Mrs. Bukowski has a son-in-law in the police department or whatever. So that's where he first expresses it, right? His his hatred for dogs. Then his first assignment, right, when he actually goes into the computer room in his new house and he, you know, finds a random assignment, it's for muffins, which is a dog. And then we never hear from Pug again except when he shows up and transforms from, in his dream, from uh, Skipper into uh from pug into skipper it's it's like i think this is the psychology is like he knows he's killing innocent people he's killing people like his friend pug and he's not killing he's not killing bad people like he was recruited to do right uh you know he's killing he's he's not killing skippers he's killing pugs and 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 the other thing is that what what we know about you know psychos, <laughs> you know people psychopaths is when they do kill, they usually start with animals, right? They kill animals before they start killing people. Yep. And Dink is a very nice guy. Like we like him. He's kind of you know innocent. Um, he's got those. He's got a pizza face because of all the chocolate he enjoys. He's sexually excited about girls, and he thinks. You know, uh, pedophiles are bad, right? So he's not, he's a normal guy. We like him. And he is also a killer who kills people who shouldn't be killed. So when at the end of the story, I thought, oh, it's going, it's going to go there. And I actually thought exactly what, you know, it's the going to be the tie, right? And then I was thinking, well, Mr. Sharpton, who is the recruiter for this quote unquote company, um, which I, you know, could be just, you know, cut out for the CIA, really. I, I mean, I was thinking of the man who Sarah goats in the yes, CIA. So. Yes. That, yeah. In fact, except, I, except, except this, except, except Dink can actually do stuff. Right. But I actually, um, I, I mentioned, I don't know if this, I thought maybe this is why Evan suggested this. I mentioned this podcaster named Courtney Brown, who, you know, is a science fiction 
podcast podcast he he podcasts his classes um which are on politics and science fiction and he used to be uh he used to work on remote viewing and and that's really weird because remote viewing is 100% bullshit but you get paid by DARPA right <laughs> which is a great job right just like we were talking in the pre-show about your friend going to work for Google right yep great job right but it's a cult <laughs> and you're doing evil Right. It used to be the company was don't do evil. That was their yeah, motto. Yeah. Ah, no, rescinded. <laughs> and now we have a shell company called Alphabet, which allows yeah. us to feel even less bad. So this is the bomb site metaphor in here, right? Um, but look, yeah, my friend, my friend is, my friend is going to be a bomb. My friend who has a PhD is going to be a bomb site. It's kind of true. Right. But he gets a nice comp, compensation. Yeah. And uh, lives and gets to live he, in a nice he, house, even though he's surrounded by and homeless people. He feels people. like his talents are going to be used. I mean, my friend, my my friend, my friend is brilliant. He has a PhD in mathematics. He's got a super analytical mind, and he's been kind of stuck for. I mean, the pandemic, I think, for a long while. So this is, I mean, I I mean, the parallels between my my friend and and Dink are kind of there. Mm-hmm. So, and that's you know, why this is about Stephen King. Trying to, it's, it's, you know, like when we read Philip K. Dick, you can see exactly what he's, he's into. He's into boobs. He likes coffee. He's, he's deep into religious philosophy and trying to understand reality and what makes something good and what makes something bad and what's the politics, right? Stephen King's the same way. It's just his, his, his stuff is different. And the names in here are not nothing, right? So the ending with, um, the final word being Excalibur, right? That's fun. Yep. Um, and it's a nice way to end it. But remember, there was a guy named Neff, N-E-F-F, mm-hmm. uh, Neff's suicide, right? And that was, I think he was the, uh, yeah, it says, uh, he was a white, journalist, right? white haired guy. Yeah. He was a New York Times columnist, right? Or right. whatever. White haired guy smoking a pipe and smiling. He looked like a good humored fuck, probably Irish, eyes all crinkled up with his white bushy eyebrows. And the headline over the photo, not a big one, but you could read it, said, Neff, suicide, still puzzles, grie- grieves colleagues. Um, you guys probably don't recognize that name, Neff. Um, no, I don't. Tell me. Neff is, uh, the main character, f- uh, from Double Indemnity. Walter Neff. Oh, good lord! You're right. And he uh, is on a net. He he fall. He's suckered in by this hot lady uh, to give her husband insurance, um, and they do, and then they murder him. Right. And it's like it's a sucker. He's he's suckered in, and all I think all of the names are like that. It's like they are resonant with things that he's interested in, but he can't all he can't quite put it all together. So this Norden bombsite metaphor is terrific. And then he's saying, you know, those faces coming up out out of the earth at ten thousand feet. You know, um, they're coming to haunt him in his dreams. Ooh, that's bad, right? But then he realizes, no, I'm the tool. I'm not the guy behind the bomb site. I'm the tool. So he knows he Stephen King knows what the problem is. But he's like, I guess it's just another story. <laughs> he can't make that extra step and say, you know, we got to call for the end of this. And that's that's why you'll see Stephen King standing in front of his bookshelf wearing a uh new t-shirt that's, you know, blue on the top and yellow on the bottom or whatever it is. It's because 
he's on board. He's not gonna, he's not gonna do what Dink does. He won't rock the boat. He's a good boy. Cause he can write another story. It's amazing that the psychology is all right there. Right? So he, he has, he, he knows what the problem is. He knows, he, he knows exactly what the problem is, but he can't, he can't do it. Which is so crazy because it's like, how can you not, how can you not do it? Well, yeah, I, you know, I got another story to write. <laughs> wow. So I thought, I thought just like seeing like how, how he, he can bring out the psychology of himself and of, you know, this situation through, uh, character names like Pug. And then, you know, Muffins, who obviously is a dog. And, and then, uh, meanwhile, we've got this kid who is, you know, ultimately very likable, who finds himself in a very frustrating situation and he can't escape, he thinks. And then somebody comes and saves him. That's the ending. That, that, right? That, that, the, the, the ending felt. We, I mean, I think I would have been more. It's the opening of a novel, not a ending. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I would have felt more, yeah, more satisfied if, like, he, had, if he was doing his own, is freeing himself because almost feels like, yeah, like, but who? So who, who, and what is opening his cage? Where, as you say, it's either the opening of a novel or it's just like a, a gap in the writing. Like, well, who is that and why and what is their what is their agenda? Mr. Sharpton any- is not the boss of this company. He's just a recruiter. He doesn't own this company, Transcorp, right? He's just, so he, he's killing some guy who's like him. There's no um, evidence that he is the ultimate boss, right? When he's no, no, there's absolutely no evidence that Sharpton's running this thing. The only thing that shows that he has any influence is that, you know, when, uh, he, he complains about, I've been hypnotized and maybe drugged, and he doesn't even mention the the drug part, he gets the apology. It's because he's the handler, right? He's the recruiter. And what's really interesting is talking about, um, how spies, you know, make eight, make assets. That's what he is. He's not a spy, right? He's an asset. Um, Which makes me think of the of shows like, say, Chuck or early or, or early um, the yeah, Americans Chuck, Chuck, is better. Well, the Americans, yeah, but yeah. But, but like Chuck, I mean, Chuck Chuck's a comedy a, though, right? Chuck is a comedy, but because he gets this thing in his head, and that makes him an asset to the CIA and to the FBI, and it's like he's he's not he's not trained as a spy not till later in the series. So, but so basically, he's basically being candled, but he's important. But he's, he's still he's still kind of like property in a way, or at least rented. That's property. right. As an asset, and this is the thing that shitlibs say about people, right? Is they're Russian assets, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but I, I, I want to talk. There's this guy named Mike. I think his name is Mike Baker. He's an ex CIA guy. I, I, I follow another ex CIA guy who doesn't get any attention, but is also a writer on Twitter. Um, the ex CIA guy is talking to Joe Rogan about how they do assets and how the relationship is built. And one of the things that he said that was quite interesting is that uh, as soon as you make somebody an asset, you're on a time clock. The relationship will fall apart 
at some point. If you start with a negative, like you start with um, you're blackmailing them, it falls apart very quickly. But if you start with a positive, it it lasts a lot longer. And so assets have a time limit on them, right? And eventually you're going to either have to get them to uh, leave the country to keep them alive or they're going to have to quit and no longer be accessible to you as an asset, right? Either way, you assets, human assets are time limited. But if you start with a negative, like you're going to get revenge or you're going to, um, you hate, you hate that guy. Um, you're actually going to wreck it a lot faster. And just as in this story, uh, he's recruited as a positive, right? You're going to be helping things and everything's all the, all the stuff he gets, right? The apple pie and the swank. I, I, I thought it was really interesting that his, his internet was censored, right? He can't find pornography online. I thought, I was like, oh, I kept thinking, well, what time was this written? And it's like 97 is early on the internet, but I don't remember that kind of detail about, you know, how, <laughs> how you would interact with the web at, in 97. So I, I can't, I can't remember exactly when things shifted, but we get browsers like 1994, right? So the web is still very young. So he's got it in here, but the idea that he is, he is on a time, a time limit and that there are other people who are watching him, right? Not just physically following him, but there are people who can't. He's being spied on, yes. But he's being spied on in the past too, right? There's these other, not cl- just clairvoyance, but um, people who, uh, what are the post, instead of precogs, they're postcogs. They right. can, so- and that's where we find out JFK was killed by a woman, right? Even, uh, Paul, even Stephen King doesn't think <laughs> that, that, that um, Oswald, Oswald did it, right? <laughs> Even not, Stephen King. Not in the world of the story. Yes, not in the world of the story, right? And he's got some other explanation, I'm sure, in the 1963 novel. Um, I haven't read that. I haven't but read I that one either, so I don't know what that explanation is. That's mostly a love story, though. I don't. I think he doesn't. He can't quite grapple finish with that part of it. Yeah, no. he never really comes to terms with it. It's, it almost ends up being a, a really good love story. He can't grapple with it. I mean, I mean, it, it is a boomer sort of. It is a politically left boomer holy grail as we're at the whole JFK. I, we were talking this before the show so about the whole JFK and RFK and everything. I'm too young. I'm too young for that. And not to mention I come from a family that was more right wing, so my parents They were Catholic though. They should have loved JFK. Um conservative Catholic Jesse, conservative Catholic. All it's right. a different it's a different problem entirely. All so right. yeah. I, I was just, I just reading. Don't know why anyone would like JFK? I was What's just. Re- oh. I just. Don't, I. I don't understand why anyone would ever like JFK. Well, um, as an alternative to what you know. Hey, so sort of to Nixon, as an alternative. Yeah, Nixon. Yeah, basically, this sort of to what came out. The 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 fit the, the the rise and fall of LBJ and whatnot. So JFK is kind of like the great what might have been sort of thing for lots of lots of people of that generation on. The political left of the spectrum. Yeah, but that's a that's a what if that's going to leave you pretty disappointed. I think. Oh, a hundred percent. But uh, the, but the, more importantly, he was murdered. Right? 
in a period where everybody was getting assassinated, even the president can be assassinated, right? That sends a message. It, it does send a message. In the same it, way that Donald Trump can be banned from Twitter, right? <laughs> that sends a message. It's like, you're not really in charge, bud. He should have na- nationalized Twitter, right? It would have been the thing to do. But, you know, he doesn't probably even know what nationalizing is, that it's a thing. Yeah. And what's funny is they're actually talking about it like now about, you know, nationalizing uh, gas companies, like briefly th- thinking about it because the price of gas is so high. Um, if you can, if you can ban, you know, the most powerful person, quote unquote, in the world from communicating in the way that he's been traditionally communicating with everybody, then who's really in charge? It's not him. And that, you're gonna that's to, the point. You're going you're to have to answer to the Coca-Cola company. Exactly. To, 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 to that's a very Strange 1970s Love. film, no doubt. Very 60s films, yeah. Was it? Dr. Strangelove, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's um, leading or, into it all, or, right? Or even better, I think I forgot what year it comes out. I have to look up. Um, have you ever seen The President's Analyst? I think I know that movie, yeah. Um, that's, that's James it, Coburn? That's 67. Yes, it's James Coburn. And that takes the whole corporate thing of controlling the presidency in the world that we get that glimpse of a Dr. Strange and just make, puts that front and center. Yeah. And as, it, as, it's as, also, as it's also that CM Kornbluth, um, Phil, uh, Frederick Pohl joint called Gravy Planet, AKA, uh, the space merchants mm-hmm. where yep. uh, yeah, it, there literally is a Senator from Coca-Cola. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I mean, cor- corporations running, or or for a much more modern space opera take, um, Martha Wells' M- Murderbot series. Basically, corporations run everything off-world. Basically, and yes, there is a government, but it is completely and utterly ineffective. It's the corporations that do anything they want. Or or see, following um, the Alien universe, Wayland Yutani. Basically, the governments don't tell Wayland Yutani what to do. Yeah, we don't see much. Uh, that's just the one movie, right? Uh, and I know well, there are well, other movies, well, but it's yeah. just it, it certainly is the case that you know they they're working hand in glove. The co- corporation wants something; the military executes the wishes of. Uh, but that's that that goes all the way back to um, uh, Smedley Butler, too, right? Oh, you're talking about the oh, you're talking about the business plot, yes. Yes, but also he wrote the book uh, that was his speech that uh, he, you know, was crossing the country. And then it's like a very thin volume where he just basically lays it all out. And he says, you know, I I worked for United Fruit, really. I was a highly decorated Marine, but really I was an agent of of corporations. I was a mercenary for United Fruit. And my my taskmaster was the United States. All those wars in Central America enforcing the Monroe Doctrine. So, you know, you could say, yeah, I, I think Oswald did it. Okay, but why? <laughs> it wasn't because he had a personal grievance. Um, it was because he was dink, Right. That's a, that's dink. Yeah, he was dink. Right? He was recruited by the CIA. Even if even if you buy the the actual true story, right? That uh well, not the true story. If you buy the official story 
Oswald was recruited by the CIA and went to uh, live in Russia, defected, right? And then he came back and there was no consequences. Why is that? It's because he did it as part of an op, right? He, he was, he worked for, uh, pro, uh, pro, uh, Cuba and anti Cuba, uh, things in, in Florida. Like this is all from his bio, right? It isn't like disputed. It's just, and that's why he <laughs> killed JFK. Uh, yeah, but who is his, who is his paymaster? It was Transcorp, right? Or whatever, whatever the version of it was. And, you know, uh, there's a movie, um, terrific movie. Uh, starring a very young, um, Iron Man. Who's that actor? Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, him and Mel Gibson called uh, Air America. Air America, yes. Air America is a CIA plot that literally happened. And it, what is it about? It's about drugs and gun running. (laughs) Drugs, drug running and gun running. And it's a true story. There's a book about it. And then they turn it into a, a fun movie. Right, it's a very fun movie, but basically those are dinks. They're pilots who were recruited by the CIA to uh, run drugs and guns and, and a little bit of people, but mostly drugs and guns. And and do things that are illegal off the books because they want to do those things under under direction from the CIA director, under direction from the president, if the president is playing playing the game. Uh, so I, I was really I was I was wondering why Evan had picked this, but maybe all of his, all of King is like this. I don't think it's all as explicit as this, but, um, it's, it's very interesting. I wanted to also mention this story is very. I actually just liked how this story is told. I think oh, yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. wonderfully done, how things are revealed. Oh, and, yeah. He's masterful. You know, it's really well done. And it's got a dark tower connect, which I always like. But uh, it's actually quite similar, I was going to say, in in the way it plays out to a terrific Ted Chang story called Understand, which is about yeah, a guy. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, and it's very similar. They both have powers. In that case, it's intellectual powers rather than basically Dreams in the Witch House style uh, ability to I, – I, I kept looking in the, the text to find this the spelling on these symbols, what smurns and widgets or mm-hmm. – Whatever they are, I can't find them in the text, just skipping around. But um, I thought those were really good. Are those real words? I, I thought I, I they were I think they're made up by him. he describes them, yeah. Yeah, I, he's making them up, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, really, it's also really funny to watch what he's doing over his shoulder, this character. So uh, we want to help you use the talent for betterment of all mankind, Mr. Sharpton said. And surely that didn't mean making a guy off himself because he thought the Defense Department was spending too much money on smart bombs. Paranoid shit like that is strictly for movies starring Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> well, King is always so, like, you could date his work yes. based on his references. He's always so contemporary. Right. He's never, like, it's not, even though he's of that generation, he's, everything you read, it feels very much of the time, even the writing style. Oh like yeah, he's he's gotten away from the really long books with a lot of internal stream of consciousness and all that, like Gerald's Game. Those kinds. Of, he doesn't write that way anymore. It's because people don't read that anymore. He's so in tune. He's to still what, relevant. Like, the market wants. Yeah, he's still really relevant, and and he he is really good at keeping up right with 
with what's going on. He's very interested in that. But that that idea of him it, he really like has dreams in the witch house style powers, right? If he makes the mark mm-hmm. the right marks with the non Euclidean gem- but he doesn't know what those things are, right? This the character no, doesn't no, know. They're yeah, just natural for him. It just naturally comes it just naturally comes to him this sort of uh iconography and eldritch knowledge it's, it, and it's he doesn't even know the word eldritch right he doesn't yeah. he does not even know the eldritch the word eldritch I'm, I, I, I it does for, appear in the for, story for king a lot of this whenever he talks about talents i think for him like writing is right under the surface of that when he's thinking about it so it's a metaphor for it's him carry or Firestarter, yeah. there's always like this he knows this, the he pleasure has a one talent. gets from using the power he and, knows he has a talent yeah. that's why he is dink Right. He's yeah. he is the guy who has the ability to change people all over the world. Not everybody. This is a particular one for that person. Right. I just make a little curly cue over here and then that will be enough to power that person. And this is why he banned his uh, his school shooting book, because he thinks that this power is real. Literally, he yeah, thinks it's think real. Yeah. And that's crazy, but it's also true. You literally can't. And that's why he has to be the shit lib that he is, because he doesn't want to have this on his conscience. He doesn't want, it's not that he, I think he wants to protect his reputation, Paul. I think that he doesn't want to have this on his conscience. He doesn't want to think about the fact that he could be responsible for the downfall of something, <laughs> something much bigger than he is. And maybe what if he's wrong, right? But the, that's also overstating the case. Do, do I think the CIA would assassinate Stephen King? I do not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, well, well, at least not the Stephen King that we have. But he's, he probably wouldn't get a pass. And there are a lot of people who don't get passes, right? Their mm-hmm. work is suppressed. Their work is taken off of YouTube. Their work is taken off of, off of, they don't get published, right? Now, Stephen King is big enough that maybe that they'd have to deal with him. But it works the other way, too. Uh, what's his name? Um, George Orwell, right? It, it, after his death, uh, Animal Farm is a CIA tool. And 1984 is used as a CIA tool. And it's funded by the CIA, right? They, they're making cartoons to try and convince people that yeah. uh, communism is wrong. They know uh, they, they, that they, they, narrative they're, they're control. They're a very different 1984 in animal form than I did because it's clear that both those books are pointing pointing fingers at both. The, yeah, but where did you read it? Where did I, where did I read nineteen? Did you read it in school? I did. There you go. Yeah, actually, I think that was I, 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 actually, read, actually I read Animal Farm in school. Nineteen eighty four, I read on my own. Yes, because like, yeah, Animal think, Farm is the one they push. Yeah, I think it was pushed. I read something about this. It hundred yeah. percent is pushed. That it was it, pushed by, and the it was film it was made with CIA money. Right? This is not. This is not bullshit. He knows that this is all happening, but he can't. He can't be responsible. So he just puts on the blue and white shirt or blue and yellow shirt. And he's, you know, hates Trump. And he's a good boy. He's the tower can't fall. Like if you read all his work, he's that's so much the story of the Dark Tower is like it may like you can't let the civilization collapse that you just can't go there. It, it, it's, it's, it's it's why he's he's so successful, but it's also why he's a shit lib. 
Yeah, I mean, actually, in many ways, the Dark Tower is like sort of reactionary because it's like these uh, cops, this this the last cop trying to hold together the universe from the forces of of the of darkness, Toadash space or whatever mm-hmm. word he uses in those stories. It's it's brilliant stuff. I love it, but they're. He can't escape it. I think you're right. I mean, it is calling him a shit lib. It's why it works. It's not the nicest thing fits. to say, but it's, it's, there's, there's, it does fit, yeah. I mean, uh, you could call him a traditional liberal, too. Um, and that's a more polite way of saying it. But the problem is that doesn't really outline the issue. The issue is he's not willing to accept what he knows is true. And he knows it more than... He he knows it because he's writing it all over the page, right? This is not just a this is not just a a, a cute story that's fun. Like in, in a way, understand is much more simple by Ted Chang. And there's another one that's kind of similar uh, to it as well. Um, I think that there's a a novel that's kind of a rip off of Understand that got turned into a Bradley Cooper movie. What's it called? The Limitless? pill. Yeah, the one where you take a pill. What's it called? Yeah, it's Limitless. Limitless, right. And also yeah. a TV show, right? Also a TV show. Yeah. So th- th- there is the power to predict things. So it's, I guess, pre-cog or post-cog. Or no, it's, it's basically being able to super analyze everything and be able to make predictions. I mean, it's not – so it's basically just like taking knowledge that you – and just absorbing it quickly and being he's correlating stuff. all the contents is what it is. He's correlating all the contents. Yes. Yes. Uh, or it's um, a one man uh, psycho history. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> right. And can predict and and and, but the hearer he is playing Dink. He's pretending like he's dumb, but he's really he put it all together a long time ago. And as a writer. So, Paul, you have a day job, right? Mm-hmm. You you can spend a lot of time playing Wordle. <laughs> you can spend a lot of time doing other things at work. But essentially, a good chunk of your day is taken up in labor that prevents you from putting things together that otherwise you couldn't because you just don't have the time. And you're tired when you come home. You want a nice, relaxing game of Civ, Right. Or, or, or just like say sunrise and sunset photos. I can't go take them because I have to be at the day job. But even so, uh, you know, if you if you do the sunrise sunset, you still have a good chunk of hours in between in which you could put things together. Writers yeah. who have no job who go to that job, that's all they do all day long. It's like comedians, right? What do they do all day long? Is they read the newspaper, they talk the shit, they find out what's going on. And that's their job, right? Sort of putting it all together and trying to understand reality. This is essentially our job. And then there's this narr- there's this narrative that's out there. Uh, you call it the mainstream media or whatever you want to call it. It's the, the transcribers of what the CIA talking points are this week. And they push this all day long. How can you ex- be expected when Chris Hedges' entire Twitter back catalog and Abby Martin's entire Twitter, uh, entire YouTube back catalog is just deleted, right? How can you be expected to know this stuff? Well, the only way that it could happen is someone puts it in your hand. So what do they do? They delete it. And then they say, oh, that's Russian media. 
it's so funny. Uh, this thing happened. Remember, um, back in 2016, um, the, uh, there was an election and Hillary Clinton lost. And she said, uh, the Russians interfered in an election. That became the narrative, right? What happened after, uh, Trump lost? He says, they stole it. It stopped the steal. <laughs> it's the same narrative and the same set of beliefs by the two opposite camps. One says the Russians stole our elections and the other one says the Democrats stole our election. <laughs> it's the same exact, you know, unfounded set of beliefs. And it's like, wow. And they don't see it. They can't see it because they're swimming in it. That is their daily thing, right? They're surrounded by NPR and PBS and even like there used to, there's a show called Democracy Now. They used to be anti-war. It isn't anti-war anymore. It's sort of, yeah, vaguely Yemen's, that's bad. But, you know. Yemen is bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Yemen, yeah. this is vaguely bad. But, you know, if you go to the Air Wars website and you look at the number of people who are dying from, you know, drones and dying from bombings in Syria, like, the numbers don't go down. So it isn't, it isn't the reality has changed. It's that the narrative won't allow it. And that's what this is. This is a story. And he won't allow us to see the final conclusion of what he really knows is going on. So he has to end it with killing off the Excalibur guy, the guy who really is just a, a tool. He's a, a sacrifice. He's just doing more. So I don't think Stephen King thinks that this is a, an ending that, that solves the story. I think that he, it's the only way he can solve the story. And that's why, even though it doesn't feel like it's a disappointing ending, it really is because he isn't killing the boss. He isn't killing, he isn't exposing anything. And yet we've got this other figure outside who says, you know, if you want to, uh, escape, it, it almost is promising like there is going to be a novel, but he, he hasn't followed it up, has he? As far as I know, Evan would have told me. He just ends up in, in the Dark Tower. So at some point he gets taken back in by another group of recruiters and is recruited to be a breaker to help bring down the whole multiverse. <laughs> bring down the maybe, Dark Tower. Maybe there's going to be a, when Stephen King dies, maybe there's going to be a secret book that gets published. And so like, here's what I really thought. <laughs> Cause that actually happens, right? Um, people, uh, you know, Galileo Galilei can't say what he really thinks while he's in uh, prison. You know, th this actually happens in and history. Yet, and yet it moves. Yes, yeah. exactly. They, so they have to wait until after they're dead. And then there's a book published that, explains you know it's a tell-all <laughs> but the thing is is i i i think he's he's just he's just so it's maybe why he has to keep writing right is he he's just gotta gotta avoid making that conclusion because he he won't he even just moves on to the next shit lib thing which is it's kind of sad but I really he's think so he's good too afraid of disorder i think that's even why he like he'll you'll get touches of the Bachman in later works. Like mm -hmm. what's that secret window, secret garden, or there's a great story called Rest Rest Stop where it's also a writer who has a pen name. It's very much a George Stark, you know, Richard Bachman thing. Mm -hmm. And he just like beats up a abusive man in a 
in a rest stop toilet. Uh, there's windows like that, mm-hmm. but he's at the end of the day, like his ki- the king works very much. Maybe, maybe uh, fearful of disorder. Yeah, think, so maybe he's which is very much a liberal thing. I think maybe they, he's like he's really afraid. The world of- sucks, but it's. I can I know what's going to happen tomorrow. His greatest fear is like the fear of the ending of the mist, right? Where where you know, I just have to kill my family. <laughs> I just have to do it because that's the best thing. And then the army comes in and saves the day, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's what he's really afraid of is though I what if I'm wrong? What if I blow everything up and then and then it it's it's bad. And that's the dark yeah. ending, right? That Hollywood w- couldn't handle. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe I've got it reversed. Maybe it's Stephen King. Uh, yeah, I think the movie actually is. Well, that end, the movie is different. Yeah, yeah it's, it, the, the they actually different. have they have both, right? But the movie yeah. ending makes it more explicit, I think. Yeah, the, the, the movie ending makes the subtext text basically. Yes, and yeah. it's like. It, it highlights the mistake. <laughs> but usually in his novels, like, good wins out and stability wins out. I, I think. And you know what? It's also. And that's an interesting intersection. Is stability always good or, 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 it's, or there's nuance. I mean, I mean, now I'm thinking D&D, like we, I mean, you start off with order versus chaos, but really it's good versus evil and order versus chaos and you can there there there, there is there is a, a lawful evilness to the american empire which yeah. which a lot of people don't want to recognize oh it's lawful therefore it's good and that's i i played dnd guys i know that's not true yeah and the, the problem of course is you know <laughs> we define what lawful is <laughs> well we, we we define what james good is, clapper yes. scratching his head and saying Mm, not wittingly, he's lying to Congress. No, no, res- no indictment, right? No indictment, even though it's a he's lying to Congress. Um, uh, weapons of mass destruction, mistakes were made. <laughs> no mistakes consequences, were, right? Yeah, passive voice. A passive voice, uh, and and like literally lying to Congress is <laughs> is supposed to be a crime. This prosecuted, no. So they they just don't do it because we don't want to. We're afraid of the consequence. We're afraid of the chaotic consequences. Yeah. And so, you know, I was thinking um, a second ago, I was thinking about how, um, you know, when people get divorced, <laughs> it doesn't usually happen from one thing, right? They're thinking about it for a while, right? They're like, I want to not be married to this person, but I can't think that. I just annoyed. So I'm going to go into the garage more. <laughs> I'm going to cheat on my wife. I'm going to put myself in circumstances that will eventually lead me to the thing that I kind of secretly want to happen. It's the life wish versus the death wish. I talk about this a little bit when we play PUBG, Paul. Yeah, yeah, and you've talked about me and my own psychology, yes. Yeah, uh, we we should always be thinking about our own psychology. And Stephen King's psychology is like, uh, I'm with this person, a.k.a. the United States, I love this person, a.k.a. the United States. Um, I'm married to this person, a.k.a. the United States. And yet I think there's a problem with my marriage, right? But he won't get divorced. And he won't put himself on the path. So he's he's like, he's uh, the philosophy, and I, I know married people. Um, 
happy wife, happy life. <laughs> they tell themselves like a mantra, right? Happy wife, happy life. Um, because it rhymes, it's true. <laughs> it's kind of the logic of it. If, if you, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Okay. <laughs> right. These are, these are actually the little things that actually make people's lives function the way they do little like tricks that they trick themselves into and Stephen King's coping mechanism seems to be it's you know now that he's correlated all the con contents just read other things write more stuff <laughs> that's his his solution because if you if you do d look into the dark pit um then you do have to make some dark decisions so when when i talk about PUBG, this game where 99 uh, uh, or 20 uh, 20 other teams want to kill you right right uh, i'm always thinking like what is the end goal my end goal was i want to be alive i don't want to be, you want to be the last man standing right and that doesn't involve killing people it sometimes is that people will shoot at me which means i'm afraid and i shoot back but i don't want to kill anybody i want to let them be let them kill each other but there are other people, a lot of people, Paul. They do the hot drop. They want to get the fear over with. They don't want to feel this, this stress building up over half an hour. And that's what makes the game so compelling is that over a half hour, you know that death is coming. It's just like a miniature version of life. I mean, for some of us, we last life. five minutes and die, but, you know, that's just me. <laughs> yes, but, you know, <laughs> your strategy is based on, you know, what are other people doing? What's a good idea for me? How do I cope? Uh, you know, you're thinking about what Jesse knows because Jesse's played more, that sort of thing, right? So ultimately, you have to say, what is your goal? And if your goal is to be the to understand truth, the truth is killing people doesn't make you survive the game better. It does for a very extraordinary few who can kill everybody off in the game. But they could survive to the end by doing that anyways. Being aggressive doesn't make you uh, less likely to be killed because noise, etc. right? So mm -hmm. why do we act this way? It's because we have both the life instinct and the death instinct. We have the death instinct because we want to get it over with. We don't like the tension. We don't like the way it makes us feel to be stressed out. And then there's the life wish, which is, I don't want to die. Right? Well, but what, what about that troll that turned on our own party that one game? What, so that's, is that life or yes. death? So that's a very, very, very immature thing. This is what you do when you're a little kid, right? Um, you, I imagine like you're, this is a, it's lunchtime. And you're walking through the halls of the school because it's raining outside. And you see a kid alone in a classroom. And he's building a house of cards. Okay? What's your instinct? To go in there and say, hey, what are you doing? Or is it go in there and knock over his or blow on his house of cards? I'm not going to blow on anybody. I might photograph his house of cards because it's pretty enough. Paul, that's you as an ad adult. Remember Paul <laughs> as a child. Paul's a child didn't like photography. Um, that's what I'm saying. What would, what would he do? I, I would knock over the house of cards. I'm just I'm 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 not a mean person. I've never been a mean person in my life. So. Okay, but just, what would I you would do? Just, Keep walking. I would just beat him up. I, I would watch. <laughs> Leave the tower. Leave the tower um, made of the house of cards. And uh, so here's my thesis. Let's change it around a little bit. Well, uh, most people, most boys, would go in there and exercise their vital power that they have, which is basically they want to see stuff blow up. Right. This is why 
boys love war games. So they go in there and say <gasps> to the to the kids building the tower, and then the kid's crying, right? And it's okay, that felt bad. Maybe I shouldn't do that in future. <laughs> Maybe I'll help him build up the house of cards. Now imagine it's the same thing. You're walking down the hall, but you see another kid ahead of you about to blow on his towel, uh, uh, blow on this other kid's tower. What do you do? You go in there and you stop the bully. We have both instincts to be the bully and to stop the bully. And as children, any kind of exercise of power is what we want to do. It's what play is. You know, see two dogs, two puppies or kittens. What do they do? They play fight because that is their power. Their power to attack with their teeth, their claws, to roll around and try and grasp the throat of the other. This is 100% natural. But as an adult, you don't do this anymore. You grow up. But some people don't get past that stage. That's what's going on with that guy, Paul. He's immature. <laughs> and it's not a not a diss. It's just a fact. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to defend the guy in any way, shape, or form because I was annoyed that he killed you and knocked me. It's like – Yeah, just, so you just have to like, punish him in the way that you – you know, don't get mad. Just, just make sure he knows that, you know, there's consequences to his actions and he will learn hopefully eventually and grow up. But a lot of people don't. They get stuck in sort of a – it, it's an interesting case because Dink is um, immature, right? He's not stupid, but he's ignorant and he's socially isolated. And so I think that's why King is playing him as a sort of a a less savvy version of himself. There's a lot of interesting Catholic stuff in here, too. <laughs> and I know he, you were saying he wasn't a Catholic, but... Um, he he. Oh, King's like a Methodist. Yeah, but the the Pope being assassinated was um, it's it's so interesting because Stephen King is Dink, right? He is also the plot master of this story. He's the guy Sharpton sitting in the car. Notice the kind of car it was, Mercedes. Right? Mm-hmm. He wrote a book called Mister Mercedes. Right? This these images these these symbols of power. And the suit, right? The way Dink talks about the suit, um, he says, uh, suits are for business, jeans are for fucking around. Right? These are truths that, that Stephen King knows about. And so when he goes in to, uh, give a lecture, he doesn't wear a suit because he's not a businessman. And yet he does this $1 deal, right? Because he really is. He has two different instincts, and he can't reconcile them, so he just ignores it and keeps writing. Maybe it's what keeps him writing. Suits, almost always bad news in a King novel. Uh, and in real life, too, my friend. Yeah, if you're in a suit. Uh... <laughs> you sent me a picture of your technical dress code shirt. Oh. <laughs> it's a shirt that has a collar and buttons, but it also opens up around the midriff. Yeah, it was, a, it was a shirt in the from the seventies. I guess they. I don't think it was ever popular. I think it was some designer trying it from the seventies, yeah. though. It was a very seventies yeah. style shirt. <laughs> the 70s. basically the whole like the chest hair is coming out. Yeah, like Leonard McCoy style, right? Leonard McCoy has chest hair. 
But isn't Star Trek the motion picture when they beam them up from like a like a disco club or something? In Star Trek, the motion picture. Well, like yeah, they beam up McCoy. He does have the star. He does have pretty even retired. He does have pretty big chains on his neck. Really, he was literally in a seventies disco. How to rewatch this? I haven't watched them. Star Trek the Motion Picture in a long time. Just gonna look at the dress. Um, apparently, you know, in Star Trek the Motion Picture, definitely like, and that's when Kirk. Had, where is it? Kirk with the arm hair in that movie. I think definitely yeah, that. Kirk too. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah. He has a short sleeve. He's got a short sleeve shirt, shirt yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I, I want to point out on the on that movie, they all wore these belt things, these giant belt buckles. Apparently, that was mm. supposed to be like a health monitor. Like, uh, it keeps track of your heart rate and all that stuff. It never is explicit, made explicit in the movie, but I thought, I thought it would be like a communicator, right? They just keep the communicator on their belt, <laughs> but it, mm-hmm. but it's actually a tracking device and like making sure your, your heartbeat is okay. Um, so that, that was a, uh, I guess it's a little off topic, but, <laughs> um, we have to have a little Star Trek talk for, uh, Chewbacca. <laughs> One of no the bad. listeners who enjoys Star Trek talk. <laughs> so, so, so we're playing. We're playing to listeners' needs and desires. Uh, well, I think I think it's always fun yeah. to hear your name called out on a on a podcast. Oh, yeah, oh, oh definitely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, how how how's Picard season two going? I haven't seen it, but um, I did watch uh, the Red Lighter Media guys talk about it, and uh, I'm I... enjoying their. Uh, their discomfort. <laughs> oh my god. They're great. They're wonderful. That's yeah. another national treasure. I uh, yeah, see those are people who are actually doing good work despite um capitalism. They they somehow mm-hmm. lucked into this situation. I assume they make enough money to do this for their full-time jobs. It seems like that, right? I I don't even I don't know how their collective their works. Um, their collective is strange, but yeah, their editing is good. Their, their insights are good and they're not doing anything that's absolutely revolutionary, but they're really good at what they're doing. So it's important. And it, uh, the other and thing I like is that they know some of the stuff that they're doing is commercially interesting. Um, but they don't cater to like some, you know, the critical drinker guy, he basically watches all the Marvel movies or whatever, right? They're yeah, like, like I, I don't think I want to do this, so they don't do it. Yeah. Right? They don't they don't follow like Letter, Letter Letter Media wasn't out like one day later with the the Batman review. I think they haven't even reviewed it. Yeah, they said, they just, you know, I'm not gonna, interested they're in They're not gonna it. And maybe they will, yeah. but um because as time goes by uh, I've heard good things about it, so I'm interested in it. I'd like to see that. Yeah, do there'll it. be a review in in like ten years, right? But, but they <laughs> just did it. Did you see their one on Dark Man? I thought that was really good. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, that was good. And, uh, that's probably a movie you haven't rewatched, Paul. Dark Man. No, that's that's really interesting. Dark Man. I have not like, seen Dark Man since its original but release. They're because you just said they're not like catering to like public interest. No, nope, they're following Marvel. their own interest. It's like it's, Sam Raimi's. In Marvel now, he like he's doing yep. the or then the MCU. He's doing the Doctor Strange sequel, right? And they even mentioned that, but they're like, it's a good time to consider Sam Raimi, I guess. Yeah, and what he's because he hasn't done a movie in a long time. There, it made them remember Sam Raimi's a great yeah. guy, and we loved him. Um, so that's actually what how this podcast works too, right? There's no 
what's the hot new book out? N.K. Jemison's hot new book, whatever it's called. No interest. <laughs> well, well, she was. I mean, uh, Nora doesn't have a hot new book at the moment. Is her first name Nora? Nora, yes. I did not know that. I all I knew was N.K. What's the K stand for? Don't say kindred. No, it's not kindred. <laughs> I forget. I forget what the K stands for. Right. but no, but her actual yeah, her actual name is Nora. Okay. Yes, she. Yes, yes, yes. She's. A, yes, I guess I consider her a friend. <laughs> I know, Paul. You consider them all friends. Well, well, but but how many podcasts has she invited you on? Hmm. My question for you, my friend. Um. Well, I am a moderator on her Twitch channel. All right. Well, that's just free labor. I no, guess. No, I but, guess but, you're but, free but, labor but here, a, though, too. But it shows so. a trust. It shows a trust. You don't. Just let anybody uh, I know. be a moderator on a Twitch channel because that's a, that's a sort of power that can be abused. How many so. PUBG games has she played with you, my friend? She has never played PUBG, as far as I know. Period. She does. She plays plenty of. She plays plenty of uh, thing of all sorts of games. So I don't think she's ever played PUBG. I. It's more of a guy game. There are women who play it. Including yeah, like a like a friend Rose. Yeah, uh, and, who lives in northern Manitoba. <laughs> See, so, shout so, out for a person who doesn't even listen to the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, that, 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 that's, some, that's some quality. Um. It is. It's actually very interesting because there's a free uh, – I like Evan's podcast the same way. He doesn't care that nobody wants to hear his Civil War stories. I'm like <laughs> – I'm, like, I'm kind of interested I mean, because well, Evan I mean, has also, good takes and he's a historian and I so mean, he likes caring about this is- stuff. Ultimately, a podcast is for the people who produce it or are on it. Yes, but, but their but, ideal but the, audience is what it should be, right? No, You're, I think my podcast should have a huge audience, but... Well, people don't read books, yeah. let alone books on Civil War, the Civil War, Evan. Yeah, Civil War anthologies. No, they do not. Like, even, yeah, if you like it, even if you do I'm a show on The Dispossessed, it's still not a hot book, right? It's a great well, book. I'm going to take a break from the Civil War and do uh, Sinclair Lewis, Main Street, and Babbitt next. So well, that's again, going to up my subscribers <laughs> by about 1%. Zero. <laughs> Dude, Sinclair Lewis? Come on. Nobody knows him. I love – Aerosmith is wonderful. Yeah, you really enjoyed it. Edgar Gantry is wonderful. Uh, I, I just, Elmer. Elmer Gantry. Elmer. Elmer Gantry, yeah. yeah. Is that what I said? Edgar. You said Ed- Edgar. Why, why don't you do poem, man? Well, Edgar something is the is the Charles Brockton Brown book. Yeah. Edgar whatever. Why don't you why do Poe? Poe. Poe? Edgar I, Allan Poe. He's an American. You, you have know, no excuses. You know, literally the reason why I don't do Poe is the first hundred pages of the Poe book in the Library of America is his poetry. No, I did uh, not know that. Well, if I, I I have the two volumes, and one is criticism, and the other is like his nonfiction stuff, and the other is his his, his fiction and poetry. And the first hundred pages or so are the poetry, yeah. and I'm petrified of talking about poetry on my podcast. Why don't so. you do one? Pick pick a good one. I could tutor you on the Raven. Yeah, I know that one backwards and forwards, but more importantly, I have the ultimate thesis on that one. So. And I've said it yeah. before, so I won't say it again. I might just skip it. Um, yeah. I might do Hawthorne. I might do the Hawthorne story. Hawthorne's good, yeah. But I'm probably going to do Sinclair you're not gonna Lewis. Get, you're not going to get much, but you might get a little bit for Hawthorne's students. And then I've been thinking of download. Ben Franklin. He's great, too. 
his uh, and autobiographies and do some Ben Franklin and John Adams. Go there, back to the foundry. there was a guy who was who was a he was a real dynamo, really interesting intellectual. Yeah. Shocking, I know. Nah, but like inventor in a and you know, scientist. I, 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 I was I was kind of making an electricity joke there. I get it. Oh, but I, I think I also want to look at John Adams because I was kind of triggered by a like <laughs> we did an assignment at my school with like where people did podcasts uh-huh. like with the students and the students interviewed us. Oh, I want to hear one and of those. Like, and Send one of the them, link. I'll 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 I'll. I'll we have a few days off this week, so I'll send you on Wednesday. Thank I'll you. try to send you. But one of my colleagues talked about J- John Adams and was really like hard on him. And I, I talked to her later. I said, you know, I think you're really hard on John Adams in that podcast. I, you know, you know, um, he's like one of the like maybe the only American president who sacrificed his presidency to stop a war. Yeah. And then she's like, well, he was unpopular, so that's why. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's the point, right? It's like, yeah, the popularity is not everything. There's greater moral considerations, yes. And she's just like, yeah, look at Andrew Jackson. He was able to get two terms. Oof. I said, that's a really bad choice. Oof size. Oof size large. (laughs) But, yeah, it kind of inspired me to maybe do the John Adams series I've been thinking about for a while. Yep. Yeah, so that's the way I need to trigger you about Poe. That's what I got to do. Yeah. Poe Poe po thinks marriage between men and women are strictly monogamous. Is that triggering enough? Yeah, it's triggering. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> got three or four or five more other things. But eventually, I'll trigger you into something. Because Poe is so rich and so... Um, He's, that's what scares me, maybe. I mean, uh, ab- absolutely. He's super intimidating. But but you don't have to do it all at once, right? Because he's so good. I, he, I think he's he's like Shakespeare, right? Oh, by the way, you, you wimped out on our uh, Tempest show. You didn't show up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know that. I literally didn't know what day it was. Yeah. You were, I you were having some issues at, at the time, I think, as well. But... I was having issues at the time of a different sort. You were out of the country, what? yeah, or no, out of the, out of the state. I was out of the away state. from I was the in microphone, Oregon dealing with flat tires and camera issues and other things. In and out burgers and stuff. In and out burgers. Yeah. Mm. Having Paul adventures. Well, well, I think we did pretty good with this story. I'm looking forward to that one. Marissa mentioned strawberry something. Um, yeah, is it on the schedule yet? Yeah, that's a nice uh, story. I don't think it's scheduled yet, but she she well, wants to do it. So when she's we'll available. schedule we'll schedule it offhand. Yeah, mm-hmm. off air we'll schedule it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm basically trying to prime our listeners. Yes, there will be a future story. More with more, more shit, Lub King. With more with mm-hmm. more Ke- Stephen King. I if we if we, we can just call the Dark Tower, uh, that see that's too big. You've gone too far. <laughs> Listen, now you've triggered just Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm not uh, you know, I don't like long will trigger yeah. No, that's, it's that's, it's long and series. That's the that's the combination. Yeah. So it's right? got it's got the two de- I'm willing to do the seventy hour devil's chessboard. I just need to have somebody actually seventy hours? I believe so. There's um, a there's a uh, on Paul, there's a like a I think a two hour version that's a summary on Audible. Of the Devil's Chessboard, 
But I think I mean, you I, need I, to have I, the I full mean, experience so that you really I mean, understand that JFK was assassinated. So by, how many hours did you say? I believe it's 70. The, the longest me, audio me book me that's, o- that's over like a, a thousand pages. I'm typing it in to find out Devil's Chessboard. Alan Dulles, the CIA, and the rise of... That can't be... It's going to be like 40 hours. You might be right. I mean, I think the longest audiobook I ever listened to was 50 hours and 17 minutes. That's the longest audiobook I've ever listened to. What's Jerusalem? I think Um, Jerusalem was 60 hours. No, no, Will Durant's Story of Civilization, Volume 1, Our Oriental Heritage. Oh. And that's, that's the... That, I mean, he has longer ones later in the series, but Life of Greece is only, I'm looking at the lengths, 32 and a half hours. I've listened to that. Caesar and Christ, which I listened to on the infamous Oregon trip, was. Okay, only it's only 25 hours. 25. Hours. Okay. I might dig reading, reading the Will Durant stuff. That's yeah, and there's a 57 yeah. minute I, I, summary. I've found going back to the Will Durant because I had not actually read them in a long time. Really interesting. Because it's a kind of history you don't much get anywhere. People yeah. trying to do grand narratives of history across the entire of history. No, they do a history of pop do, or a history of they do, car they do tires. a history of a city or, yeah. or pop or an individual person. I mean, trying to do a whole narrative of history. Yeah, no one be very people want to try that. Yeah, no, because, it's, because it's, 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 it's pretty incredibly big. fraught. Yeah, and it'll take take. Decades off your life. <laughs> it, uh, it took his entire life to, just to get get to where he got to, and with his wife. H.G. Wells' was, stuff should be public domain by now. Um, if not in, it, it would be in Canada. If not in the states, um, and he did a ton. You know, he was the man for he, that he, he, for a while. Yeah, he yeah he he did he did uh, and you can trust him to yeah, not. Um, um, he had the the outline. Oh. The Outline of History, being a plain history of life and mankind, 44 hours and 31 minutes by Blackstone Audio. It's big. It's big. I, I wonder if it's on downpour. It, it will be. Blackstone is downpour. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it's like available now. Obviously. It would be. That's, That's a good one for your trip, Paul. Um, not for this trip. This trip. This eight trip, hour drive and eight hour drive back. About six hours each way. That's 12 hours. Yeah. So that's not quite Half, double not speed, quite, Paul. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, 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 yeah, I won't be uh, absorbing it as like much. This, as everything's eventual, doesn't work on double speed. So much good. No, action. a great actor, too. I don't know who the narrator was, but he's really like a famous good. actor. What's he's the, really good. What's his name? Right, right, youthful voice, right? No, is, he's actually a real actor. I believe it. But he, it, it, he is, does, it is on double for 40 bucks. So I'll I'll wait till uh, it'll be on sale on at some sale. point. Yeah. Yep. They, they, I mean, I mean, they had one of the Durants. I think I told you they had one of the Durants on sale, one of the later ones mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. That I just grabbed, even though it was out of order. Oh, Justin Long. That's Justin Long, good narrator. He did a good um, job of this. But he's, he's oh like yeah, in movies and stuff. Is he? Yeah, they had the Durant Reformation a few couple weeks ago, and that's like even Dodge though it's out of order. Was it dodgeball. Dodgeball oh. accepted. He's like a c- comedic actor. Justin B. Long? Idiocracy. Justin B. Long. Just, yeah, Justin J. Long. Justin, Justin Jacob Long. Justin Long. Okay, I'm getting him. Okay. Uh, he was in. Uh, it's not distinguishing here. But Idiocracy, Jeepers Creepers, Dodgeball. Excuse me. So not a famous actor. 
he was in that. No, he was wasn't. Was he in that uh, Walrus movie? I don't know. IMDb. I think he might have been. <laughs> Live free or die hard. Oh, hey, speaking of which, yes. um, this is something we we didn't talk about uh, in real life. Bruce Willis. Yeah, the Bruce Willis thing. Yeah, that he's ret- he was he was in the Walrus movie Tusk two thousand. Oh, I recognize. Oh, this I've, actor, oh yeah. I've seen that movie. Oh, yeah. oh ah. Jeepers Creepers, yeah, yeah, accepted. Yeah, I recommend, recognize him. But a good actor, good voice actor. He has a career in audiobooks ahead of him if he wants it. If 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 he wants it, yes. I mean, Uh, look at Bronson So did you you hear about this Bruce Willis thing, Paul? I did. Yeah. Um, Aphasia? Aphasia, yeah. So he's stepping away from acting because, yeah, that's progressively degenerate. It's not going to get any better. I mean, the real issue – so Red Letter Media did these two videos about how Bruce Willis has been turning out these movies. Really bad movies. I mean, there have been bad movies. Mostly bad bad movies. Low budget. But most – the claim that they were making is that most of the budget was going to Bruce Willis's salary. Right. For two days' work, he'd come in for a a couple days of work. Right. Yeah. And he'd get paid a million bucks and the budget for the movie would be like one point two million or one point five million. So it would all be basically for him. And I guess if he knows he's he's like his career's over, he's trying to cash in, right? On right. his name. And in a few years he has face. left. Yeah. I don't Mostly know. My face. feeling is you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. I, I think it's like I mean, I mean, to the I mean, craft. I mean, I mean he's know. right to do it. He has the right to do it, I suppose. I mean, we don't know his we don't know his financials and situation. Maybe he actually needs the money. We don't know. We don't know. The he way. might need the money, but he might need the money. It's offensive to the craft, I guess. It, my it, 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 yes, I, 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 yeah. I, I, I see where you're going with that. Like, I mean, yeah. like uh, Jean Luc Picard coming back to do Jean Luc Picard. It's offensive or, to yeah, the craft or, a little bit. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. or, or, or to, to take an older example, Orson Welles hawking wine in commercials. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. So it's the exact same thing. Like sometimes people need money, and will do, will do craps to base They base themselves for the dollar. I mean, so goes you back see, to you see Nicole Kidman out on the street hooking, and he's saying, "That's a shame." Yeah, that's a shame. You could you could be so, making uh, movies again, well, good movies. That's a shame. Um, so, oh, uh, but I wanted to, I wanted with to talk the proper camera placement. She could do both at the same time. <laughs> I want to, I want to point out that, um, uh, I don't believe that aphasia is the explanation. Um, aphasia is an inability to speak. Um, and yeah, he has had difficulty speaking. Least... He's had difficulty speaking in these movies. Right. Um, but it seems to be a memory issue more than anything else. So aphasia is like a, is a, it's not been tarred in the same, like almost no people, nobody knows what this word means. My mom had it at one point. That's why I know what it is. Right. But it hasn't been tarred. If you say Alzheimer's, what happens? Everybody says, Oh my God. Right. Because they know what that is. Because it's, it, it is a, so I, I do not believe that that's the actual thing that he's been diagnosed with. I think that that may be a consequence of it, right? That aphasia is some uh, brain effect that's causing it. But he, he was speaking in those roles. They were not good speeches. They were not clear speeches, 
They're not long speeches, but aphasia is an inability to speak. So I, I believe that that's false. So we're being lied to. On the other hand, there's definitely an issue, right? Um, and he's a bit young for uh, Alzheimer's. Although it but, can, but there are other it, dementias it, that come in and aren't Alzheimer's that, and, and it can affect younger people as well. And he's not that young. Right? <laughs> I don't know how old Bruce Willis is, but um, so that's just he's my in point. His 60s. Is, yeah, he's got to be in his 60s, not 70 yet, but yeah. In any case, um, the important. 67. Yeah. So the important part is, uh, we're being lied to and we're eating it up and reporting it as news because that's not the pro- aphasia's primary symptom is not an inability to uh, deliver lines. <laughs> it's an inability to speak, which he has been doing in these films. But if he can't, he can't uh, keep, he can't memorize his scripts, which is mainly the job of actors, right? Memorizing your lines. There was that famous episode of Saturday Night Live where, um, uh, who's the famous, um, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Ford Fairlane actor, uh, big, uh, stage comedian. Andrew Dice Clay? Yeah. Andrew Dice Clay, uh, shows up on, on, uh, Saturday Night Live because he's big, right? He just had some big movie come out and he can't fucking act at all because he doesn't know his lines and he's reading the cue cards really badly, right? Because he's not an actor. He's a performer. Big difference. And so, yeah, in a film, you can coach the guy a whole bunch of different ways to deliver his lines. But on live television, not so good. You you, you can do lots of things. I mean, this makes me think of the movie um, Hail Caesar. Have you seen it? That sounds familiar. Cole Coen Brothers movie set in the 50s. No, I haven't seen it. But that's uh, another one with... um, ER doctor guy. <laughs> um, ER doctor guy? George Clooney? Uh, yes. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, so we get an actor who basically been doing singing westerns and because of the studio wants him, he gets thrown into a period drama piece and he's so out of water and the and the director and the director who's not happy at this at this has to do everything in his power to try to get this guy through acting in something mm. he's completely unsuited for it's hilarious just the, it's hilarious and kind of painful way to see this, this this poor guy who who's really good at what he does which is singing westerns have mm-hmm. to do a period piece and just be completely unsuited for the role but that the, this is what the studio wants this is what the studio what this director has to do i read a book uh and reviewed it and that's just a side plot because george clooney is the star ethan cohen's short stories they're like film noir style short stories. Thought that was fairly interesting, but I don't actually like their writing there that much. I think there's something wrong with their writing. Um, I think they enjoy their writing more than they should <laughs> in a certain sense. And so, like, I haven't seen most. Uh, I I can't. You haven't seen most. Of Fargo is like the only one that I remember fondly, and I've seen a lot of their movies. You know, Blood Simple and stuff. So I'm not I'm not sure what it is with their writing that I don't like that much. But there's something wrong with their films, I think. And you know what was the the other George Clooney where he's a singer? Um, it's the Odyssey. Oh, you t- oh you took my old brother where art thou? That's the one, right? Um, it was good singing, but I, I, it's almost like they're yeah, smug um, John, and they John enjoy. John Goodman has a good role in that. 
Yeah. You know, they're good. They're good on screen. They're that they're good at directing, but I think their films ultimately aren't that good. Like I don't enjoy them. And that's kind of weird because most people who like, you know, artsy style films like their stuff. But um I I, I don't mean guess, you have the uh, no you have the people who like the noir stuff and then you people like have the artsy stuff of his of their of their award. There's a couple different kinds of color yeah, but, brands like but I yeah, I don't like either. Like I've watched a lot of their oh, movies. Yes. Um, what's the one with um, the guy from Goliath, the TV show? He was married to uh, the lady with the big lips. <laughs> she oh, you took be... Billy Bob Thornton. Billy um, Bob. Term... Billy Bob. Yeah, I, I can't remember which movie was he in. Um, he was in a black and white that's one. That's the noir one, right? Yeah. Oh, right. The man Where who he played there? a barber? The man yeah. who wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. So that's a that's very that's going very stylized noir on their part. Yeah, they're, they're, but they're it doesn't pay it. off in the way a movie should. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it doesn't feel as good as the originals from the from the from the forties. Yeah, 50s I think I think they're like, you know, big fish in a small pond in a certain sense. Whereas I never feel like every. I think every Quentin Tarantino movie that's ever come out has been perfect, pretty much. The closest I would say that isn't is the. The uh, magnificent or inglorious bastards. Um, I think that's the weakest of it. It's still a good movie, and it has great stuff in it. But I think that's like he's just he is amazing, right? Did you see they, Once they, Upon they, a Time in Hollywood? So good. Um. Yeah. So have that's you good. seen the Have you seen the extended version of the Hateful Eight? I've only seen the original. I, I saw know that, that extended one. I, I, I know. I know this extended one. I've yeah. I haven't seen the extended one. I've only seen the original. I understand the extended one's better. Oh, like it doesn't feel that. that different. They're, I mean, they're both long. Yes, it, I, I, it feels, it's long. It's, it's telling things out of sequence. It's playing playing games with the audience, and so it's not. You know how the the original movie is long, but every there's not a wasted moment, mm-hmm. and it all feels awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how the extended version feels. Nice. Right. Like it's well, not so, so different. Said, so okay, so I should go see it then. Okay. That's well, if you, I don't think it's a different experience than seeing the original, though. Okay, so it doesn't. Tr- okay. I'll wait a few years and enjoy it again. But you know, I think Jackie Brown is probably his best movie, and that's the one that's least him. It's just such a terrific. Omar Leonard, you know, great novelist, but he he made that novel sing in a way that no other. Uh, you know, and there's been lots of great movies made out of Elmore Leonard books. Mm-hmm. So many. But Jackie Brown is like, it's premium. And it's it's the most understated of all his films, too. But, yeah, this is this is like, he's on another level compared to the Coen brothers who, are, you know, they're okay. But they don't, even uh, the promise of what was um, the El Mariachi director who turned very commercial did all those spy kids movies rodriguez uh, yeah robert rodriguez um at least he went independent right and he's producing those himself and making the money himself he's not you know i think that spy kids series is like his he owns it um so i mean that's what he wants to do so that's what he wants to do i can't fault him that no I he's, mean, he he's doing his best self right he's doing his best self yes but the problem is his best self is is not at the level of of a Quentin Tarantino who is just so passionate yeah. about film that it, he's 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 as much like Hitchcock as Hitchcock was 
uh, completely different, you know, interests and such. But, uh, this is the, this is, that is, um, flourish, human flourishing. Quentin Tarantino doing film. That's human mm-hmm. flourishing. That's what we want to see. Whereas I think, you know, maybe Ethan, Ethan and, uh, the other brother, Cohen, um, that, that's the maximum they could flourish, you know, which is fine, but it's kind of sad compared to, you know, seeing the, the great master at work on, on a great genre. Most movies, when we watch them, they're like, eh, that's, a, you know, it's another rock movie. Well, rock I'm looking play. at the list of their movies. I, I, they're good I, movies. I think I've liked all of their movies. They're good the movies. One, they're just not the last great. One was direct to Netflix, but it's yeah, that's, even that's not too bad. No, they're they're absolutely competent filmmakers. I don't, I don't think I've saw Inside Lewin Davis. I don't think I saw. Um, Hudsucker Proxy. That's great. Yeah, that's mm, a good. One. Don't remember it being good, but it, I haven't seen it since the eighties. I think when it came out, right? Plexiglass. It's just kind of weird. It's like with the hula hoop stuff. I, 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 Their obsessions are odd, I think is what it is. Oh. And, and I, l- I always liked Old Brother Where Out, though. I, it's I a good movie. Do, it's enjoyable. I used to do a film series on the American South, history and mythology, because I think this is a good movie for that kind of thing. They're almost to always the same tone, kind of play too. With There's the an ir- of, irony there. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I'm comparing him to Quentin Tarantino, who's very different. Mm-hmm. But they're from the same period of time, is why, right? Cohen Brothers, are, I think, yeah. started a little earlier in the 80s. And then, uh, you know. Well, and- I watched that Darkman series. I didn't know the close connection between the Cohen Brothers and Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the Hudsucker proxy, there's other. Because Raimi wrote. Hudsucker proxy. There's other like, did they say they're like living together for a while mm-hmm. or something? Like and and what's her name from yeah. Fargo? Uh, oh, Frances McDormand. Yeah, yeah. who's a good, a great actress, um, and who wouldn't have a regular Hollywood career except for people who, you know, like these guys who think she's terrific because she is not conventionally uh, the the beautiful lady. She's she's fine looking, but. She's just the, got the acting chops. And man, man, w- watching those guys talking about, um, Raimi, um, when I saw Evil Dead, I saw mm-hmm. Evil Dead first, just the first Evil Dead movie. And I'm like, wow, that was a scary movie, right? And then I watched Evil mm-hmm. Dead too. And I'm like, this is the exact same movie, but it's hilarious. <laughs> like the exact, like the exact same plot. Everything's the same. It's a remake of the first movie, but hilarious, right? And super scary and awesome. And then I saw Army of Darkness. I'm like, oh, that's not so good. It's funny, but it's not so good. But um, I didn't really follow Sam Raimi's career other than I didn't even remember that he had done Darkman. But um, yeah. thinking about how Darkman works, it, it's actually a lot, which they didn't mention. It's Phantom of the Opera, right? Oh, absolutely. But they didn't even mention that. I'm like, uh, that's really obvious. That's why it is a, it, it is not a superhero movie. It's a uh, monster movie. Right. In the same way that they were saying the Invisible Man was, but they never and that, made and that, that connection. And, I, and the sequels kind of there's a, I think there's one or two sequels there's to two Dark sequels. Man. Yeah. yeah, and they get that wrong because they because they think it's a superhero, but he really is a monster. Right. Right. I'm a, yeah. I I am or to quote uh, quote the Amber Chronicles because I always will when he says I am an evil who poses other evils. I'm a monster who poses other monsters. Mm-hmm. Yep, 
but that's, uh, that's Darkman's deal. A great, uh, it's it's kind of sad because Darkman is not public domain, unlike all the other Universal monsters, right? And so, yeah, it's not that it won't. Uh, I wanted a reboot. I don't. It's that he isn't a stock figure in the same way that the werewolf is, or the Spider Woman is, or the uh, but the creature from the Black Lagoon, right? Yeah. Um, but it's very possible in a hundred years, people will be saying, you know, treating dark man, like, um, like these figures or Frankenstein, uh, creature. There, there is a power, there is a power to that myth. Myth is a good word for a dark man that I think, I think you have, it's entirely it, possible. It's, it's very, it's a solid science fiction idea backstory, right? What made him insane is very good. And, um, they were pointing out on that red letter media about how the plot is just basically the same as Robocop, which is, you know, I absolutely do not. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But I think it's a Robocop plot. Whereas when I remember dark man, I do not remember the plot at all other than, you know, he's dark man and he does a bunch of stuff. But, uh, when them pointing out how Raimi's always having ladies fall off buildings, I was like, oh yeah, that's why I'm not a big Raimi fan. Cause he kind of did sell out, right? To do all those Spider-Man movies. And now doing this Doctor Strange movie. It's not human flourishing in the same way. But film is a very strange I still, I still medium. Do see the, I still, still want to see Doctor Strange because I do like Doctor Strange. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. And also multiverse, because, you know, multiverse fiction is something I've been interested in since I first started reading science fiction and fantasy. So Keep your it's kind of in my DNA. What's that? Keep your hopes low and you'll be more well, likely to appreciate it. I, 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 I'm probably going to I'm almost certainly going to be disappointed. There, there, did you guys know that there was a, like a new movie called Morbius out? Yes, it, it was. De- it was delayed. Thank, basically, thanks to COVID. But that's a really interesting character, the living vampire, Morbius the living vampire. Um, the origin of that character is straight out of the comic code, where they weren't allowed to have undead creatures. <laughs> so they yeah, call so him said- the Morbius the living vampire. And and there was an exception for Dracula, because literary characters were allowed. But But then this movie is... Like, it's incredibly low rated. And for a movie that, you know, is from a big studio, it has to be and, really and, and, shit. And also, and also it's simply part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, and nobody's yeah. willing to shill for it <laughs> to sully their reputation to say it's a good movie. It must be dog shit. I mean, there, there are Marvel Cinematic movies, even by the standards of what you watch one of those movies for, that just do not work. It's it's got a Rotten Tomato score of seventeen percent and five on IMDb, which I mean is... I'm not going to pay money for it. I mean when when it gets to Disney Plus, eventually I probably will watch it just to see how bad it could be. And I'm going to be terrible. Audience score is seventy and the tomato meter is seventeen percent. So maybe may, 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 maybe it's may, better than uh, I've been told. Maybe, but I have not heard I've not heard a lot of positive buzz from. Like people in the genre community, you know, I'm no. more connected to that than you are about it. So, you know, well, he, I, he, I, he, I, I don't see my friends clamoring to see this. Yeah. See it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And do you, do you, I'm sure you knew this, Jesse, or maybe you didn't. Maybe Evan didn't know. Dracula actually shows up in the Marvel comics. Oh, yeah. I mean, in fact, as I recall, 
he tangles with Moon Knight, which just came yeah, out he he's he he's in with he had a long run actually. I've read most of them, um, and he also had a black and white comic, which was even better because there's nudity. Um, but he's not he's not well used in the Marvel. No, but it, it's just, it's funny that that's a public domain. He winds up showing up mm-hmm. all the same. But but again, he's a public domain character from before the the age of uh, copyright, and well, so he had can. copyright back then. It's just that or expired at least, then. Uh, we, the, the monkey, the Mickey Mouse copyright. They had reasonable copyright, rational yeah. copyright. Uh, yeah, twenty eight years at, uh, in the later term, and fourteen years in the first term. Yeah, they had, re- they had reasonable copyright. Not this is this is what I'm saying is Stephen King has the ability to, you know, say after ten years you, anybody can make anything out of my stuff, um, and he chooses not to do that, and he chooses not to do well, that because he can't. Or, 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 he can't. I, I don't know if there are legal right. mechanisms where you can actually can you can you actually declare something of yours in the public domain? Yes, um, to, there's two you, things after you've, after you've copyrighted it. Can two you, things. Can you, can you can you declassify as it were? Two things you can do. One, um, there's something called Creative Commons. It's not very interesting, but it's done all the time. Everything that uh, is on LibriVox is public domain, right? And some people will take that and then sell it commercially. There's nothing to stop them from doing that. Uh, LibriVox makes a frowny face when they do it, <laughs> but that's just because it's basically the, people are getting tricked, right? On the other hand, um, that copyright doesn't go back and nullify the the public domain thing. So he could do whatever he wanted. Um, well, what, the, what, what, the regime what, of of uh, this stuff doesn't doesn't compel uh, authors to keep their copyright term. Whatever, it's just the default, right? And the lots I, of filmmakers on YouTube put their own stuff up. And want people to spread it around. Well, I understand Creative Commons because back when I was on Flickr, there's all like, "Do you want this image yeah. to be in the Creative it Commons?" Is what, but back but, when we were trying to make the web good. Back back when we were trying to make the web good, yes. But 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 if you put something under traditional copyright, and and basically you don't have to do, you don't have to do anything. It's automatically copyrighted now. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You don't but, have to even put the symbol. It's copyrighted as soon as you, it leaves your but, pencil. But but you can't uh, you can't undo that. I don't think you uh, don't well, you don't fun. actually like if you go to my website and you look around for a copyright symbol, you won't find one. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is okay. Stephen King publishes the book with Tor. Yeah, it's copyrighted. I don't think he can just say after ten years like nope, it's no oh, longer copyrighted. Well, if the if he gave if he gave the copyright to the publisher. And, and 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 every publisher is going to ask for that. That's the problem. I don't think he can unless he self unless he does the Brandon Sanderson and self publishes. He can't. Well, that's not and true. So, that's not true. Well, if you look at the contracts, what you can do is you can see what the contract says, and usually it says while well, we keep it in print or the first six years or thirty days after this, right? So those particular contracts are not about copyright. They're about their relationship of who gets permission to use that copyright. But when whatever publisher publishes a Stephen King thing is done with that contract and he can sell it to another publisher, whatever that contract is, he can do whatever he wants. And it doesn't have, uh, the, the copyright doesn't exist because of the book. 
unless it's a work for hire. And I got to tell you, Stephen King doesn't do work for hire, right? Right. So, you know, even at the beginning of his career, it wasn't work for hire. So he could do it. He chooses not to because he can't. He can't reconcile <laughs> no, the two it's, things. It, 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 I mean, I mean, I mean, if you if he Brandon Sanders size published, self published, then he could do that if he wants to. But if he's working with big publishers, he can't, and he's not going to not work with big publishers. He's not. He's because I understand. He's, I understand what you're saying, but if you look at a contract, right, it isn't for when a publisher publishes a book that you wrote, that isn't in perpetuity for the length of the copyright, unless you sign that no. over to them. As part of the your contract, which is not the case, right? So Heinlein's books will get published by Ace, and then they'll get published by Daw or whatever. It wouldn't be Daw though; it would be Random House or something like that, or r- vice versa. Whatever the contract says, and that's not copyright. So yes, it, it, if he if he if he published a thing on tour and then suddenly overnight Jesse waved a magic wand and he became not a shit lib and he said I'm going to make everything public domain there would be some contracts that would prevent him from doing that immediately right but it's not the mm. copyright that does that it's the contracts and we are not usually per- purview to those contracts unless they're standard for that particular company which they probably aren't for King right they probably customize I- them up real nice because he, I'm um, one of the things you know he would say is uh, movie rights are not included, right? You don't have act unless they say for a certain period of time, right? That's why he can do that dollar baby thing, which I should probably look up. Do you know more about that, Evan? I just know it's what you know, what you probably know about it. Okay, yeah, I haven't re- read the I've- Wikipedia entry on it or anything, so. I know that it's a thing, but I do not know why, what prompted him to do it or even why it has a baby in it. <laughs> Other than, it's a dollar, baby! Well, they're his babies. Oh! They're his babies, maybe? Hmm. It can't be commercial, so it has to be like a student film or something. I know that. Well, it, it, it's for the festival circuit and educational purposes only, right? Mm-hmm. Which, it sounds generous, but See, it's not very generous, really. Some of these, like like Mute, that's a really good story. Rest Stop's a good story. Auto's Truck's a good story. Stationary Bike's a good story. He's, I'd like he's to see a good writer, films. yeah. But you can't. And and there's no mechanism to release them, right? So, unless I'm misreading the uh, <laughs> the limited information I have about it, maybe it says after a year or you pay a hundred thousand dollars, you can get you can uh, uh, upgrade your 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 script for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I I think one of the reasons he probably did it is because he feels guilty about all these people writing him saying, "I'd love to adapt this film for a short film for my school. Can I do it? Please, 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 please." Right. And he's like, yeah, I want to be generous about this. But he also exists in a commercial market where a lot of companies want to exploit his writings to their benefit. And he can't have that, right? So he's in this position where he's stuck, he thinks. Uh, when, in fact, what he should do is become full-blown... Uh, uh, who's the guy who wrote Jerusalem? <laughs> Alan Moore? Yeah. You should just do a full-blown Alan Moore and say, fuck them all. 
and then uh, let let everybody do whatever they want with his stuff. And then, well, of course, the you know, there's some drama that. with the the Dark Tower audio drama right. people, mm-hmm. where they were. I think they're still producing it, but they were kind of cock blocked by Stephen King or the lawyers. Yeah, probably more the lawyers mm-hmm. saying you really can't release this because we're, we're working on a, movie. a series. Yeah. We're still trying to get a, a, a decent series, and the movie sucked. But they're they've been trying to get a series done. Right. <clears throat> yep. Sorry. Okay, it's time for me to go, gentlemen. Yeah. Have a good one, Paul. Time to go. Uh, maybe right. I'll see you later for some PUBG, Jesse. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, very possible. We'll very see what possible. happens. Pleasure as always, Evan. And I guess yeah, I'll, I won't see you guys for a couple of weeks because of Britain, South Dakota. Well, <sighs> because uh, of get the a business. good audiobook for the trip. That's the main thing. Uh, yeah, my only, I, I've got plenty of choices. My only only thing is, can I get to actually hear it? Otherwise, you'll it's be fine. Get an earbud, boring. one single earbud in, you'll be fine. And that's how Paul got arrested at Alexandria. You Minnesota. can't get arrested for one. The law is two. And, 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 and besides, besides my, 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 my phone is Bluetooth, Bluetooth only. I the little Bruce Willis. Oh my God! You got one of those fucking phones with no headphone jack. I forgot I, about that. I, I didn't. I didn't realize. You poor guy. I, I didn't realize until I got the thing. It's like. Where's the headphone jack? Oh, there what, is no one. What kind of phone did you get? Is it's it Android a, or Apple? Android. Okay. Well, yeah, almost all Androids have done that now, too, even it, Samsung. It, I didn't realize until I was like, oh, my God, what the hell is this? Yep. And there's like a, another way they're cock blocking you, Paul. You wanted to are. put your little a dinky in there. <laughs> I mean, I suppose I could listen to my ancient I, I could. Hey, now, I can listen to my ancient iPod with one earbud because my ancient yeah. iPod still has – Take still both. Has a, Load them up. still has a jack. I, I, like the thing is I still just put my stuff on a little MP3 player. Yeah, you could do that too. And it doesn't, it doesn't require a phone. I never listen to an ebook on a phone, an audio book on a phone. I, 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 I mean I used to put them onto the I, – I, iPod and I still do, but I generally put them on my phone now, so I don't have to carry multiple devices. Yeah, phone phone is better. Problem is, phones are becoming worse and worse. Exactly. LG, the one, the last one to have a headphone jack of the major players, uh, just went out of the cell phone business. <sighs> Sigh. Yep. Have a good afternoon, gentlemen. I'll take care. All right. I'll see you. Thank yep. you. All right. I'll see you too, Jesse. Have a good one. Yeah, what time is it for you? Two one forty-two. Not so bad. Not so bad. Yeah. All right. All right. Good night. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. And then I get into the company car and I drive five and a half to six hours to Britain, South Dakota and work there. Time. Uh, and then I work there till Thursday and then drive back. Good so does work time. any better? Well, I was thinking about that, Jesse. The question is, can I pair my audiobook with the company car, my phone with the company car? That's the question. 
if I if I can make that work, why couldn't possible, you? Um, the company car may not have that capability. Well, the, you have a speakerphone on your phone, right? Right, but you're not supposed to do that. Who driving. says? Oh. Um, Who says? Um, state law. No. <laughs> Distracted driving. No, seriously, Minnesota has very, very. Uh, you just put Strong the speakerphone on. It's fine. You can listen to the radio. Why couldn't you listen to audio? Yeah. Look, um, look, I got special special headphones because there is a law. Special that, headphones? Headphones. Uh, because there's a law in British Columbia that says you can't have two earbuds in. Well, most. Well, yeah, that that's the law here, too. Right. So I got special headphones. These do not go in your ear. They go beside your ear. And. Therefore, I'm not going against them. Um, I I would be reluctant to try to argue that with a member of the uh, Gendarmes, to be perso- to be yeah. honest. Yeah, you're afraid of the police. <laughs> that, I get that, it. That'd be ris- that'd be risky. You're afraid of the police, and I also am. I, I'm, I'm somewhat. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid leery. of the capriciousness of police officers. Yeah, they because... beat the fuck out of people for bad reasons. It's true. Exactly. Or or they shoot people or what have you. It's not. Unpleasant. They won't. Sh- they won't shoot you over this particular issue. Is my guess. Well, I just don't no. understand why you can't be just hooked up to your radio speaker. Like, um. Well, what? It may or may not. Can't you just burn a CD? Like, Ooh. It, 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 what's that? Ooh. Just burn a CD. Oh, um. Well, I can't, I can't burn anything from Audible to a CD. Yeah, you can. You used to be able to. And I never. But it's and, ridiculous because it's too long. It's, it's ridiculous, and I and I don't know what the. Uh, I haven't been inside this particular company vehicle, so I don't know what the setup is or. What, what or year what is I'll it? Do it. I, I'm not certain actually. Okay. It's a, it's it's Let's an edge from some several years ago, What's but I don't edge? know. Um, it's a Ford car. A Ford it's it's a, it's a small SUV. All right. Well, at least but, you won't be wasting the environment. <laughs> As no, across no, the country in an SUV. No, 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 no. I no. I'm, I, it's not. It's not a giant SUV. I mean, all the, cars the, are the SUVs company, now. It's practically true. The the, the 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 company has larger vehicles, but no, this is a smaller one. But Evan, do you own a vehicle? My, yes, Why? but you're not. Yeah, oh, or Evan? him, yeah. Evan. I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking like you 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 live in places where you wouldn't have to have one, right? So. This yeah. is sort of all uh, above your And basically, your if I'm, I'm somewhere else, I, if I'm back in America, I just bike. And if I can't bike there, I don't go. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I, so these are problems that Evan doesn't have to think about. I mean, I would have liked to drive my car to Britain, but that was that's not allowed. They say because of insurance reasons, you're not allowed to drive your own car. Sounds like a save it for the podcast. <laughs> Um, maybe not. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, it kind of ties in a bit with the podcast if mm. you squint. But all right, oh, why I don't squint. we do some pre pre show squint with with Stephen King? <laughs> we'll do some pre show. We can talk about some Stephen King. He's wait, pissing wait. me off. I know. I want to save that for the podcast. Save so that for the podcast. Let's talk about next week and Paul not being available. So Paul's not going to be on for our show on uh, Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon. On um, No Man's Land, right, right, right. Because again, because I'm working, I'm working in Britain all week. I'm not gonna have a chance to listen to yeah. anything while I'm tearing apart clutches and things. So yeah, 
the Wendigo is uh, April 17th. Um, Paul has signed I'm up hoping, for that. I, I have signed up that. Okay, okay, so I will find out late this week whether that that's – how long is the Wendigo? Is it a short story or a mm, novel? two hours or so. Okay, so that I should be able to squeeze through somehow. Souvenir is I'm also on for both of you the next week. Then Black Amazon of Mars, Paul signed up, Evan signed up. Sa- the Shunned House, this is on a Saturday at 4 p.m. So that knocks uh, me out. Saturday. Jesse, me out of another Jason, and Connor, yeah. Dang um, it. Connor. I can do the Shunned House. I feel right. like this. Yeah. Um, it's got flamethrowers. <laughs> it's got flamethrowers. Yeah. yeah, it's right. Ru- oh, it's a- let's okay. burn. Now, two other things have been assigned, but it's just Jesse and Connor so far, but they sound really good. Um, one is the power, a power in the era of post-human capitalism by Slavo Zizek. Doesn't that sound fun? Slavo Zizek? You got the audio for it? Uh, yes, I believe that's why, uh, uh, it's on there. (laughs) And it's not read uh, by him, thankfully. (laughs) That would, that would make it, uh, it would be funny, but it'd be bad. Um, I mean, his, he's got his popular works and he's got his like. Hardcore philosophy works. Yeah. And I don't know which one this is. I don't know but, either. But I mean, I could probably handle but either, but I don't really like reading his hardcore philosophy. Well. Like the Hegel uh, book. You want to sign up for it? Or you want to, uh, 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 you put me as a question mark. Ah, uh, all right. And then finally, um, whoa. Um, two weeks after that, uh, Ghost Land in Search of a Haunted Country by, Edward Parnell. This is also on a Saturday. Also Connor. Um, this book uh, is something I spotted, and it sounds pretty cool. Like related to the the eerie and the weird. Um, let's see. If, what's it say here? Uh, is this that zero books thing you just sent? Something? No, that's a different volume? one. That's a different one. Oh. Um, so this one is. Fascinating, beautifully written about a man exploring loss. Okay, that did not come up. All right, try the Barnes & Noble one. Parnell's moving, blah, blah, blah. Don't care about the... the, Okay, come on. Okay, here it is. Um, In his late 30s, Edward Parnell found himself trapped in a recurring nightmare of family tragedy. For comfort, he turned to his bookshelves, back to the ghost stories that obsessed him as a boy, and to the writers through the ages who have attempted to confront what comes after death. In Ghostland, Parnell goes in search of the sequestered places of the British Isles, our lonely moors, our moss-covered cemeteries, our stark shores, and our folkloric woodlands. He explores how these landscapes conjured the shaped, conjured and shaped the kaleidoscopic spectrum of literature, of cinema, from the ghost stories of weird fiction of M.R. James, Arthur Mackin, Algernon Blackwood, to the children's fantasy novels of Alan Gardner, Susan Cooper, and W.G. Selbads, Seb Bald's The Rings of Saturn and Graham Swift's Waterland, to the archetypical folk horror film The Wicker Man. Um, so I knew Connor would be into it because it's folk horror, but I like Arthur Mackin and Algernon Blackwood. And... Uh, it's, I think, like seven hours or something like that. So, 
But it's a good, but it's Connor, so it's a Saturday, correct? It's a, oh, 10 hours. Yeah. It is a Saturday. Okay. Okay. So that knocks me out. All, all, all your Saturdays are always out. I thought you sometimes didn't have uh, Saturday games. Uh, uh, you're thinking Sunday. I don't always have Sunday games, but, but generally, unless the GM is feeling bad, Saturday evenings is generally gaming with Chris Yard. We actually happened not to game yesterday because she wasn't feeling well, but otherwise ah. it's generally every Saturday. All it's right. every, it's every other Sunday that I don't game. Although now that schedule is kind of up in the air because one, one of our group is, has gotten a job offer from Google and is moving to California. So that'll be messing up things for a few weeks. And I guess that means the end of the full, the real, real end of ever having in-person gaming with the old group again. Joining the will Google be the cult. Um, well, he's got a PhD in mathematics. He's wicked smart and Google basically headhunted him. They basically said, we want to hire you. We'll figure out what job after we hire you. We'll put you in a house, and then you have to throw away any extra change. Save it for the podcast. Yeah. But yeah. No, 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 no. no but uh, Steve, 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 Steve is super analytical, super good at that sort of thing, so I'm not surprised that Google grabbed them up. I'm, I'm happy for him. It's the first time he's... He's ever lived outside Minnesota, so it'll be an interesting experience for him to live in California. I feel sorry for him. I wish that. I, yeah. I, 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 well, I, it, it's it's going to it's going to be a culture shock for him to, to be sure. Heavy on <laughs> all the, those, uh, heavy on the word cult. <laughs> heavy on the word homeless people all around you. There are homeless people in Minnesota too. Not compared to California, and not um, compared to where Google is. True, but you know. Yeah, well, it's. But yeah, I'm I'm, ha- I'm happy that he's. It could have been worse. He could have gone to work for DuckDuckGo. <laughs> I I am um, I'm I'm still following DuckDuckGo on Twitter even after they betrayed uh, everybody. <laughs> well, how, wait a minute. How did they betray everybody? I missed that. Uh, well, here's the funny thing. If you go to uh, DuckDuckGo, uh, Twitter, anything they tweet now, all the comments <laughs> are about their betrayal. Um, so, betrayal. so what it's- happened was the, the, uh, CEO or whoever runs it, founder, et cetera, got on Twitter and said, Hey, uh, we're doing what Google does now. We're delisting things. <laughs> oh. I was like, everybody's like, Hey, you know, the reason we used you is because you didn't do what Google does. And, and, he, and he's like, no, I, I want to have tank my own company. It's like, oh my oh, god, dear. what a fuck. Well, you know, um, I guess the, I, I, I guess simo- self immolation is a thing. Is that okay? That's maybe unkind of me to say, but maybe it's true. Duck. duck Usually, duck. you self immolate for some noble purpose. Mm. Usually, Evan, it's correct. Usually, there's, there's some sort of honor to not just because, like, oh, what the hell? Let me destroy my own company's ethos. So here's the. Happen. Here's the uh, – um, this is the one they tweeted late, uh, most recently. Tomorrow is antitrust day, hashtag. If, if the U- in the U.S., please, if in the U.S., please help Congress, contact Congress and tell them to vote yes on the American Choice and Innovation Online Act to help restore competition and choice. More info, blah, blah, click blah, 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 and there's a link. And then comments. DuckDuckGo and Google, I see no difference now. <laughs> Number two, sir, 
to cybersecurity. Jump out of the box. Uh, jump out of the box that hasn't been out of the wood. Out of the box hasn't been out of the blue. This has been your motto. Thank you. I don't get that one. Um, but uh, if you scroll through, they're all like, how about you stop manipulating search results? That's like, oh my God. So it, it, it's like one of those decisions that you expect them to reverse because it's like, that was a gaffe, but they haven't. And then there was a tweet yesterday from Jack, uh, the Twitter guy. And he's saying, um, I regret I was responsible for much of fucking up the internet. Meanwhile, sitting on his money bags. Um, so, uh, before we start, I wanted to tell you guys two things. One, there's, um, uh, an episode of the Hugo's There podcast that's really good. Um, usually it's like, okay, uh, acceptable. They do their homework, but they don't, they have these spoiler warnings and stupid stuff like that. The, which, which podcast is this? It's the Hugo's There podcast. It's one the of those. Hugo's? Yeah, the so. Hugo's There? Hugo's There. Hugo, oh, Hugo. Who, who goes, goes there? there? Yeah, yeah, Hugo. Kind of clever. It's clever. But basically, the host, um, he's just reading all of the Hugo winners, which, you know, there's a lot of junky books in there. But there's also some good ones. So this one is with um, David Agronoff, who's that Philip Philip K. Dick uh, Dickhead's podcast guy, um, who I've, you know, I've had conversations with. and uh, But I've never seen him do a better job with any book uh, than he did with The Dispossessed here. Um, great books make for great podcasts. So that one's really solid. Um, and he, he talked, uh, one of the really interesting things he brings up is, you know, the contrast between Philip K. Dick's, uh, class and that of Ursula K. Le Guin's. So they're living in the same town. They go to the same school. They don't hang out together. Um, even Mm -hmm. though they're in same, you know, grade and, uh, her parents are like, uh, ivory tower ivory tower uh people with famous friends and philip k dix works at the record store right she goes to harvard or something like that and he goes to a local thing and drops out right and and i I thought oh yeah that's really interesting and uh so it's it's about the dispossessed but there's a lot of meta stuff about ursula k leguin in it and uh anarchism and that sort of thing so really good Oh, oh, so, oh, so, um, Seth apparently has a Patreon and that's where you can get it first because I'm, I went searching for it on Twitter and Trish's sister, Sarah, listens to that podcast and it's a good podcast. Like, like, like that particular one. Yeah. It's a good podcast. It it mostly depends on what book they're doing, but the spoiler section, I don't, and one of the things they even say in this one is, yeah, you can't really spoil this book. And I think any good book you can't really spoil. Um, but It, 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 yeah, a, a good book ha- doesn't rely on secret plot twists. Yeah, it's not mystery box, which is, it's not mystery you know. Box. Yeah. So, um, there's that. And then uh, last night I was looking at YouTube because it's hard to watch a lot of the shows that exist and movies and such. So, I was looking at YouTube and I spotted uh, uh, Bill Maher has started a podcast. You guys know Bill Maher from the. I know, I know Bill Bill Maher. Right, yeah. Uh, He's an interesting. He's an interesting character because he's kind of a shit lib himself, 
Um, but, uh, what's interesting about this one, it's called Club Random and the set is like horrible. <laughs> it's, it's like just really bad. But, uh, his first guest was William Shatner. Um, and it, I haven't watched that one yet, but, uh, they talked for like an hour. Oh, he's got to be getting up there. He's, he's, yeah. he's 80 something. He's like a right? hundred years old. Yeah. And <laughs> he's 80, 80 something, close to 90, I think. Anyways, I, th- I, I, for some reason, I remember a birthday message of 91. I thought that must be a joke. But they get drunk on the show and then they talk for an hour, just one on one. Um, so I didn't watch that one yet, but I'm looking forward to that one because that'll be interesting. William Shatner's. They get be. drunk on the show and then talk. And high. Um, and high. Um, uh, that, that, that sounds, that sounds very Herodotus to me. Herodotus? Yeah. You, 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 um, the, the, the Greek historian. What the Greek him? historian. He, he, he said. Well, because well, he said that the Persians always debated things twice: once sober and once drunk. Right. Right. So I, mean, I that that's probably an apocryphal story, but I think that and it probably sense. didn't actually happen. But Herodotus said they did. That's, so, so that's, that's the that's thing sense. about the show. There's so. enough wild stuff in Herodotus that I would guess that he. Follow that method sometimes. <laughs> that was research. Surprise. I, I mean, the, 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 the gold bearing ants. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that th- there was a show that my friend Steen really liked called um, Drunk History, where historians talk about something they're really familiar with, but they get progressively drunk as they as they do it. Uh, that sounded pretty interesting to me, but I never actually watched the show. Like my podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, except you're not so drunk, right? Um. Uh, anyways, uh, the wow. second episode is the one I watched, and it's with Quentin Tarantino, and Quentin Tarantino drunk, uh, with with and high with um, Bill Maher drunk and high. You know, it's a pretty slurry and rambly, and you know they lose track of what they're saying and stuff like that, as you would expect. On the other hand, um, it's really interesting because they talk about movies a lot, um. And, you know, Quentin Tarantino has a really strong enthusiasm for film. And so when they talk about Gone with the Wind and why it's a stupid movie, but it's a great movie and other movies. And one of the things he talked about, Quentin Tarantino talked about, was um, a paraphrased movie. Um, and the example he used was uh, Dress to Kill, is which you guys know that movie? Uh, Brian De Palma, isn't it? It's Brian De Palma, but more importantly, it's um, uh, Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael okay, Caine. I was thinking, I, I, I went, you went. Michael yeah. Caine yeah. playing a cross-dressing murderer, right? Um, right. And uh, so when you're watching that movie, you're watching, uh, this is Quentin Tarantino's argument. It's It's not a remake of Psycho. It's a paraphrased Psycho. And so when you are, when you realize that that's the movie that you're watching, you can go back and examine what made Psycho work instead of just doing a remake. It's like another kind of thing. And he suggested there's a lot of movies like this. And, and of course, that's also what he does. If you think about all the Quentin Tarantino movies, he's always referencing film that, uh, is like so, he, he'll get actors and put them in roles that they would have been in in the 70s, um, but with his updated script and updated knowledge of the genre and his own perspective. And so they work kind of like a lot. That's basically all of his movies, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. And you get uh, a lot of insights that you can't get um, 
from just regular Quentin Tarantino interviews, which really, you know, interviews suck. And so I, I don't know if the show will be any good because, you know, Bill Maher's other show is pretty bad. It used to be much better. And they talk a lot about that, uh, original show called Politically Incorrect, which was amazing. Uh, yeah. That, that, the, uh, that was long, that was long ago. It was amazing though, right? Like you would get um, four weird people and sometimes it, it was terrible, but oftentimes it was just very surprising and you would get, uh, you know, it was a pioneering show in a way that, you know, his current show is not. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I thought, uh, it's, it's different and it's on YouTube. So something to do. What thing is it? Yeah. I might check it out. Mm-hmm. Seeing William Shatner getting drunk. I wonder if he will, because he's, he's, you know, very worried about his image. I think he's a weird guy. Anything else good to watch? I finished Arcane. Did you like Arcane? I, well, I kind of, did I tweet this one? I think I did. I think you did. It's kind of like, is this a cop show? I start, I mean, mean, you got part of it that, I mean, you got part, part of it that does feel like a cop show. Especially when you're, the person you were backing suddenly is like working for the cops yeah, yeah, well, yeah. when, when that was like episode three or four they revealed like but wait what it's like yeah. where did that come from because you think it's it's a set up as this cop versus under up under city dynamic and then i will say that. this the first few episodes i watched like the first two and and i'm like oh this seemed really squeakorish. <laughs> Uh, based on how it was defined, oh, but then I finished watching it and it's pretty good. I think. I, I, I mean, I've I've never played League, League of Legends. I don't know. Anything oh, the, about I don't the think you need to. The, I never did either. Yeah, I I, I, I know anything about. I think it's the, pretty the irrelevant to the story. Um, I this is the guy. The there's this guy on Twitter who I follow. Um, he's a uh, cartoonist, and he put out. I think I told you this, Evan. He put out a, mm-hmm. um, a comparison of his webcomic to uh, this show, Arcane League of Legends. And it was like yeah. back to back to back. It's a video essay showing basically yeah. they ripped him off page by yeah, page. Yeah, I think by you page. showed that before. Yeah. Um, he has since taken down the online uh, Twitter thing for that. He kept the the first thread, but he the rest of it's elsewhere on the on some website but i don't know if that means like he's um he's currently suing them or whatever but uh, it's like um it's funny that they could just like turn a league of legends is like nothing like arcane right league of legends is an isometric game where you click 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 it's like warcraft that old warcraft game right um, it has, you know, characters, but there's no story at all, as far as I can tell. Uh, I've had many students being players and addicted to it. So this spinoff thing is like, they can yeah, attach it's a this big name thing here. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge in Asia. Yeah. I, in fact, I sent you some, some crazy person. Wow. Crazy person. It took me like four episodes to realize it was at all connected to League of Legends. It's yeah. like, I was watching the intro and I'm like, what's this game company? What's that about? Yeah. And then I looked it up. Yeah. There's a, there's a Russian movie 
a World War II movie um, that got financed by a game called War Thunder, which is a Russian World War II style game. It's like a free online thing. Um, I think it was Panelov's Men or something like that. Good movie, but weird that, you know, game companies now are producing things. Well, they, 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 they have, they have the money and resources to give that a shot, a try. I mean, um, um, was watching with uh, friends a couple months ago, uh, basically a movie version of a game based on a fantasy version of the, the story of the three kingdoms in China. So yeah, it's was produced by the game company. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you're they, probably going to get a civilization they, they a, movie now, Paul. Um, civilization just doesn't have a plot to do that. A League of Legends doesn't either. <laughs> That's my point. Uh, it's got at least got characters. Where civilizations, you just have historical people throughout history who never really met each other. So no, there won't ever be a civ movie. It's a property that can be sold, Paul. Um, oh, I was I was wondering as a as a civ fan, what do you think of that the when that thread came around about. Uh, right wing or left wing media. Oh yeah, someone made a really oh, yeah, interesting yeah. thread about civilization basically being a, a right wing genre. And I was yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking with a bit with Jesse about that. Mm-hmm. I think when we were playing uh, PUBG, playing PUBG, um, they're right because civilization is at its heart a game of, about four X's, and that is an explicitly colonialist right wing narrative. What is four X's? Um. Ex- um, explore, expand. Four X's, like the letter well, four, X. Yeah, four, yeah, four X. Yeah. yeah, it's like a game. Oh, okay. yeah, it's I a game thing. Actually, yeah, there's a category on Steam, actually. Yeah, right. explore, expand, um, exterminate. I forgot the, what wow. the fourth X. <laughs> yes, no, that 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 that's seriously what four yeah. X stands. For. Yeah, no. And so that makes sense. So it's right. Explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. There we right. go. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, so. Right in there, calling the genre that you can see the colonialist right wing narrative built right into the game assumptions. Mm, Even if you're playing the most peaceful civ in the game, you're still moving across the land, you're building cities. Well, that's the thing, Paul. I wanted to tell you about this because uh, when I used to play civ, one of the things I would do which which version of civ did you play? I played all of them uh, up to five, I think. Okay, Um, so you haven't played six, okay, no. Um, what, one of the things I would do is uh, do uh, no military. <laughs> and, you know, that doesn't work out very well because no, no, one, one yeah. random barbarian tribe steps into your city and your, your city's game's over. So what I would do is, okay, I so say I can't do that, but I will only have defensive forces. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, and then I would maximize on, you know, culture and uh, science and technology and uh, try to avoid the religion um, tree and stuff like that. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, you can't win that way. <laughs> the game, uh, well, you cannot it's, win it's, that it's, way. It, it's it's very hard to to win that way. I mean, if when you I can't even, Civ, I don't even colonize. I don't even like make another just one. The, make the founding city and oh, then yeah, oh, so, maximize oh, oh, the territory oh, so around go, that. Oh, so you go for a one city challenge is what you're telling me. Well, that, that, that is a whole. There's a whole yeah. thing. Of Civ, where you basically try to win the game with playing one city. That's kind of like an Iron Man mode. That's very difficult. Yeah, you can't you can't win. You can't you, you can't unless you have unless you're really really good or have the difficulty really really easy. And even then, yeah, and you can rig the game, stuff. you know, to you know have yeah. fewer enemies or whatever, all barbarian right. enemies or whatever. Yeah, no and, barbarian. Well, the, the paradox games are 
better at giving you options at doing yeah, well, something. It, like if you if like in EU four, European or four, if you want to be a trade based diplomatic empire, you sort of can. You, you yeah, can pull it even if you're just one province. The whole I mean, time. It's, it, it, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, the, 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 they go much for much more details of histori- historicity and. So you can kind of play play the game that way, especially with. Some I want to be the Hanseatic League. <laughs> you can uh, do that in Europe Universalis Four. Yeah, or, yeah. You can. But but yes, yeah, so so yes, yeah, so in Civ, when I play, I generally, I mean, I shouldn't say generally. I my default is to run for the science victory, and not go mm. try to conquer the world. I mean, sometimes I'll get into a bloodthirsty mood and play like Genghis Khan or somebody in the. It's like, yeah, the hell with it. I just want to kill everybody. But wow. generally, I, I mean, it's kind of like PUBG. It's the same sort of outlet. I get just, it. You know, yeah. I never play my, what, like, I play as right-wing Catholic regime <laughs> sometimes in Europe, Universalis 4. Which... <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I play EU4 and things like Sea Cake 2 and stuff almost like much more story based rather than trying to conquer. Yeah. The they are more like simulations. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, so how, how is that? How is this noble family going to do and whatnot? So it's, it's a different, it, it, it's a strategy, but it's a very different feel for what I'm trying to do than, than, than Civ four where I'm just where Civ six where I'm just got a blank map and trying to, it's also a game for whatever reason. When you lose, you don't. Even if you spend hours playing it, you don't feel bad. You, you no, no, because, like, because 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 you, that's told, kind of fate. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah, just it's like, how it goes. Yeah, you, you you've told the story of this family, and it was doing great till the Byzantine Empire decided to conquer your little Armenian yeah. kingdom. Oops, I'm not, I might be speaking from experience here. Um, so you know. <laughs> well, and there's nothing fun. you can do. I mean, I, I mean, it it, it 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 tells stories, and I mean, yeah. and in a way that Civ, I mean, Civ is much, I mean, the stories are much more broad and generic, whereas EU four and C CK two and CK three, you much because you got characters and events and stuff, so you get much more of a yeah. narrative of how the how these people are trying to, you know, progress through the Middle Ages. Actually, actually, I do have Civ six, but because I got it on sale on Steam one day, oh, nice. but my computer can't play it. Oh, my laptop can't play it, so well, I gotta wait till I get a new computer too. Well, I mean, I I, I even I even played basically turn mail game a turn mail game with a couple of friends. So if you if you get your computer to run and want to play a turn mail game, I mean, it's slow, but we can yeah. do that. We can. I mean, I mean, I mean, especially in the beginning where you like move move settler one step and stuff, but we can do that. Yeah, I'll I'll get, I'll get a new computer in the next six months. So I'll just, I that's the nice thing about Steam; it's just always there. So. Yeah. yeah, they haven't turned to shit yet. Not yet. No. I mean, well, I, speaking of which, why don't we uh, talk about a shit lib? lib. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> We're sufficiently warmed up, I think. I think more than um, Paul. I'll get you to turn your recorder on if you haven't already. In case I will turn, turn on my recorder up. now. All right, okay. and um. I will get us to start. I believe it's Jesse Paul Evan. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's going to be a while before anyone ever displays to me, if ever. (laughs) I might have to go to Nepal for a couple years before that happens. (laughs) All right. Um, By the way, David Agonoff direct messaged me after I I sent him 
what is very uncommon to me. I said, you did a really good job with that podcast. I usually mm-hmm. don't send that to anybody because I think most people suck. Um, but he, he direct messaged me. So you think that one's good? We had John Shirley as a guest on, uh, the show for scanner, scanners live in vain. No, no. Let's see it. Scanner, scanner darkly? darkly. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a good. Well, we'll see. I, I, I don't know that much about John Shirley other than, you know, no, yeah, he stopped inviting me. I think because like my schedule sucked. Or yeah, something, your schedule or... is difficult. I, I've, so, I've never been not as difficult as show. Connor. Well, you're not and the, you're not uh, obsessed with Philip K. Dick in the way that you know. You know, maybe, maybe, I mean, but there was a while we were doing a ton of episodes yeah. together on Philip K. Dick. So you know, I've never been invited on either. But they, you know, it's not my. I, mean, thing. I don't mind that much because I I always felt like he was like. It's. It's feeling funny. make me feel dumb because on some things I am really dumb about Philip Dick, like all the publication and background stuff, which I never care yeah, about. Yeah, he's very interested he, in he's meta really stuff. He's really good into that. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. No, uh, yeah. he does a really just good the job. The way the podcast this, airs, it kind of makes me sound like an idiot. Ah, uh, you're fine. Evan, uh-huh. I, 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 I feel you, Evan. I do. Because, you know, I have all my own insecurities about these things. So. Yeah, you were tweeting some crazy stuff yesterday. I can't remember what it was. What was I tweeting yesterday? It was crazy. I don't know. It was like, uh, I'm not good enough or something. And then oh, a whole bunch that, of people that, that, that are was, reassuring was, you about something like, what's this going on? Whatever. Yeah, but but, but yes, I, 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 I mean, I had a nightmare basically where I was basically told I was not that that. No one cared about anything, and yeah, everything I did was terrible. So it's like, yeah, my my nightmare, my my. I mean, you you seem to have much. I mean, sometimes I have interesting dreams like yours. Like I had a dream last night where I, where everyone discovered that it, when I die, the world ends. That was a that, That's and so the fun. world was not happy happy by this by yeah. this prospect. That's um a traditional uh, idea, right? Yeah, Solipsis. I must have picked it up mm-hmm. somewhere, but Solipsis. but you know. Yeah, it is very solipsistic, but I mean, I, but insecurity also creeps into my dreams, and I had a really insecure one about, yeah, who I am. And so that kind of, so I tweeted about it. And apparently, lots of people have seen that tweet for reasons I don't understand. And then, of course, a troll got into that conversation. Really? Blocked. Yes. Yes. It's just this thing, why are you supporting a pedophile? So, yeah. How how did, I I thought that's why your account is locked. Yes, yes, but if somebody responds to me and their account isn't locked, the troll can see that I they're see. responding to me. And oh, I see. I got yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I, yeah. So, here we go. Let's go.